Oh no, some scary clown squirted water all over my comics. Never fear, son. In Colorado, there is one place to go for all your comic needs. Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. Oh boy, thanks, Coins, Cards, Comics, man. Oh no, there's a lady hanging off that building. Can you save her? I can't save her, but you can also save 20% by getting a hold slot at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. Oh no, she's falling. Did you know prices are also falling on back issues at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics? Thanks for saving me, Coins, Cards, Comics guy. Now I can buy my son the card games he wants and the sports memorabilia my husband wants. That's correct, ma'am. Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics knocks it out of the park. So visit 6700 Wadsworth Boulevard in Arvada, Colorado. They're open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And tell them the real nerd sent you! For barbecue that can't be beat, try Birdman Barbecue Sauce. Available and original and spicy. These robust, full-flavor sauces have the awesome power to kick your taste buds in their face. And for that smoke and taste on everything you eat, try new Birdman Smoke and Rub. Caution! Meat left unrubbed may suffer from flavor performance anxiety. You can pick up Birdman Barbecue at local area Ace Hardware stores, Ruff's Barbecue in Golden, and the Danny Cash Hot Shop off-Broadway. You can also like us on Facebook at Birdman BBQ. Happy Friday the 13th, Real Nerds listeners. You won't hear this on Friday the 13th, but today is Friday the 13th. I love the Friday the 13th movies. Um, Brad does too, and uh, I'm always shocked when I find out that Brad likes them, because when you talk to people, they're probably the bottom of the barrel as far as you know horror movies, but I like them too. I think they're fun. Way to, way to just skip over me like I don't like the Friday the 13th. I know you don't like the Friday the 13th movies. I don't, you I don't, don't like horror really movies anyways. I really don't like those movies. And uh, me and Brad have talked about this before, but I don't know what it is about the movies. I just think they're cool, and I love boobs and there's tons of boobs in them <laughs> you know anyways this week on real nerds is a kind of a special week yeah um there is a movie out that we do not want to see it's the most horrific movie ever released on friday the 13th amazing spider oh no, oh, that's oh ice age yeah. ice age continental drift which we will not be seeing so this week we are treating all of you to our wonderful interviews we did at comic-con we were fortunate enough to sit down with three amazingly talented artists at comic-con at our booth and we interviewed them, and we are going to play those for you on this episode. But we're still going to do our normal thing. So, yeah, sit back, relax, pop open a Yahoo, a Yoohoo. What am I trying to say? Yoohoo? Dude, did, I love Yoohoos. Who did we talk to? Uh, dude, we talked to Rebecca Isaacs. Cool. We talked to Georges Jonti. Cool. And we talked to Zach Howard. Cool. Dude, I love them. They are amazing. And if All you don't know them. who they are, you're about to find out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You will if find out. If you don't out. know who they are, you should... You should. should. You should definitely pick up their books because they all, you know what's great about them is they all have their unique style. And what is even more cool about them is they're super nice. Oh, gosh. They were so They were fantastic. so nice. They came to us. We didn't have to take. So so gracious with their time. Yep. And we're totally willing to just, and, do, yeah, whatever. We'll come over to you and talk to you and it'll be great. And, and we'll tell the stories um, before we do the interviews about how we met them and things yeah. like that. But uh, first, let's dive into some box office numbers. This is the box office stats. 
So, guys, you know what the number one movie last week was? Spider-Man. It was. Hey. Dude, it's The what? Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man. Well, you know... Yeah, no, you're right. Um, over the weekend, it did $62 million, but remember, it opened on a Tuesday, so for the week, it did $140 million. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, that's right. And then it added another 300 and something worldwide, so... What it's were, a, what were it's its a numbers hit. for like Tuesday and Wednesday? Were they pretty good? Uh, Tuesday it broke the record for a Tuesday showing oh, yeah. at thirty-seven million. How many Tuesday openings are there? Uh, the the only one that's comparable is Transformers. I was just gonna say I know there was a Transformers, and, and it's it, the first and one. It was a Transformers where it started at eight o'clock on Tuesday too. It wasn't even just a midnight. They they started at yeah. That's that, so that was that's a thing um, that they're saying in the article that the Amazing Spider-Man is. The number one Tuesday opening, but if you factor in Transformers 8 o'clock on Monday with mm. um, their Tuesdays, they actually did more. Oh, but really? They, they counted that as like a preview night. Oh, weird. Yeah. So Spider-Man did uh, 37. I think Transformers did 38. But that's cool. with extra showings. So. Yeah. Well, that deserves it. Yeah. Spider-Man was awesome. And I saw it three enough, times. You know, it's, um, it's good enough to make it some sequels and such. Oh, yeah. The sequels are definitely coming. Yeah. Anyways, that's it for box office numbers because it's the only movie that came out last week and it's yeah. the only movie that mattered. Yeah. So now, how about we hit up some Blu-ray and DVD releases? DVD releases and Blu-rays. Actually, next week is kind of an interesting week in Blu-rays and DVDs. Yeah. Um, one I actually do want to get and people will make fun of me, but I enjoy musicals. I do too. Old, old school I've, musicals. Dude, I should, yeah, I guys, should reiterate guys that. Guys and Dolls is one of my favorite movies. Um, so Singing Just in the Rain, the 60th anniversary comes oh, out. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, I'm really interested in getting that. I also kind of want to see it on the big screen. Yeah, there's that Fathom event yeah, where you can go see but it. But I think I'm working that day. Oh, but yeah. uh, Or is it Tuesday? No, it's usually Thursdays. If it's this Thursday, then we're really in trouble. Yeah. Oh, I'm not seeing it this Thursday. Exactly. I think um, it is. Anyways, and Eureka Season 5 comes out. I thought I'd mention that because James did a great job. Hosting the panel uh, yeah, with sat, Colin I Ferguson. I sat there and Craig Ferguson talked. And I Craig did. Ferguson. I said Colin. I, I just said Craig Ferguson because you didn't. Colin yeah. Ferguson. Yeah. Colin Ferguson. So he's he's really funny. You know, I'd never watched a show, he but is. sitting in on your panel, dude, I was entertained for an hour. He is such a nice guy. Never saw any episode, yeah. but he was just telling the greatest stories. <laughs> Hilarious, yeah. Um, Lockout with Guy Pierce comes out. You saw that, right? Yeah, you should rent that movie. Okay, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> Three Stooges also comes out, which... You should not rent that. Movie. I'm probably not going to see it, but it keeps on getting good reviews. I don't. What? Yeah, you should actually. You you should you should make a point to see it because you're that guy who likes those dumb movies like MacGruber. So you should. Whoa, whoa, movie. whoa! I think that's. Yeah, a, I like MacGruber. I think that's a hit below the belt, Brad. What do you think? Yeah, Can't no. wait for MacGruber too. You heard me say it. You heard me say it. You should check that out, and then we can really condemn it. Be like, dude, even Ryan didn't like this. Movie. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Um, <laughs> also, Salmon Fishing in Yemen comes out, I'll which I kind of want to see because I like Emily Blunt a lot. Yeah. Um, also, get The Gringo, which is the Mel Gibson direct Blu-ray movie that was uh, never released. Um, yeah. I probably won't see it, but I just thought it was interesting. Uh, funny story, last night at Trivia, um, that came up, that movie came up as an answer to one of the trivia questions. of Really? Like, it was a whole round on straight to DVD or VHS. Mm-hmm. And as he was reading off the answer on the the TV screen behind us, popped up an <laughs> advertisement for Get the Gringo on <laughs> DVD and Blu-ray. Wow. So, wow. I, I, so you got that answer right? Uh, yes. Well, I, I, I knew that before the, he had to read it. So. Yes. Yeah, and uh, the last one that I'm torn on, which I probably will get but i might wait till it's like a black friday deal or it's on sale for like 10 bucks as casa de mi padre mm. with uh, will ferrell because i laughed and i kind of want to see it again 
but I don't know if I want to spend twenty four dollars on it yeah. to get it. Do you need it on a Blu ray? Um, I mean, I could get it on DVD, but I'm almost at the point now where I'm just going to get Blu-rays. Yeah, I understand um, that. I just mean, like, yeah, is, isn't that movie kind yeah, of shot? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I really needed to, if it was for five bucks on DVD, I'd definitely get it. Yeah. But we'll see. So that is it for Blu-ray releases. Thank you, digitalbits.com. And now it's time to dig in the mailbag. Fan mail! We got a couple comments this week. Um, we got one that they commented actually on all the photos you put up of cosplay. Those were cool. And they put uh, the goon all excited. <laughs> and the dude were the best ones. I freaked out when I saw them at the con. That is from AbbeyFit on Tumblr. Cool. So thanks for leaving that. Uh, yeah, James spent a lot of time taking pictures of people. And uh, yeah. it was really cool. And that there someone was digging through our blogs that are you know about a month old. That's cool. If you if you haven't uh, if you if you're a listener and you haven't looked through those pictures, you should go check them out. They're Some of them are really cool. I yeah. loved the Green Goblin and Craven. It was such a shame that we didn't get a picture of you with them because that would I would awesome. love to have the Green Goblin trying to kill me. And sweet. I had I, I mean they were just kids, but I had a total nerd moment when when somebody showed up as as Aang, Toph, and Korra. All yeah, th- I did all see those. The costume was great. Ugh. Man, that was fun. Yeah. Is it next year yet? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, between now and then, we s- we have two other conventions we get to go to. That's right. Also, if you want, if you're a movie theater and you're listening to us and you want the ner- real nerds to broadcast from your midnight movies, we will do that. Yeah. We're available for live events. We are. We are. We are? <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Like, if, if hey, if the Colorado Boulevard... IMAX says, hey, we get, want you guys to broadcast from The Dark Knight Rises. We will do that. Just sit there and make fun of the movie all night. Yeah. We can come there, sit uh, sit and hand out like Dark Knight Rises posters to fans and like yep. really get the, the spirit up. And, you know, because people are going to be sitting there for, what, four or five hours? Yeah. And they'll be bored out of yeah. their eyeballs. And they'll be able to sit down in our on our cast and yeah. talk about why they love Batman. Really uh, increase the, the experience, get people fired up, you know. We'd be happy to do that. So just remember that. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so we also got another comment on realnerds.com is about the compatibility with Androids. Um, and since you're the tech guy, Brad, you're the one who's going to have to kind of field that question. Yeah, uh, we've been uh, iPod-centric because both Ryan and I have iPhones. And James, you have an Android. Yeah, um, but I, I listen. I have an iPod that I use the pod, listen to the podcast for, on, so I've never tested it on Android, so okay. that's why. Yeah, so it, we we haven't been quite aware of how Android people are accessing our podcast, and Obviously, it's not working because on our Tumblr page, the RSS link uh, is for the Tumblr page itself with the blogs and the audio. But apparently, the audio isn't loading through the feed. Mm. So, um, because the actual audio files are on a different RSS feed from nibbizvisions.com. So, um, on the Tumblr page, I posted the question that the person asked. And I added the link that you're supposed to go to to get those audio files that RSS link, and what you have to do with your Android phone is download a free app that reads RSS feeds. There's all kind of catchers like yeah. that, Beyond Pod and things like that you can do on uh, Android. Yeah, and then use that file path to access all the episodes. So, cool. Okay. Um, and is that going to be something, can we put a link on that permanently on the site so it's not just in that article? Yeah, I'm try- I think I've, I can take down the RSS link for the page itself because, I mean, who really needs that? Um, yeah. But uh, and uh, somewhere else, I also have to put the phone number for the voicemail on there. Oh, okay, cool. So I'm trying to figure it's, out. It's a work, a work in progress. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're always trying to change things, trying to make things better. So it's always gonna. 
Yeah, so please hit us with that stuff. So, yeah, if you've been missing out because you're an Android user, have no fear, that's how you do it. And we're still working on all this stuff, so if there's anything that doesn't work yeah. for you or You're anything that's a, a little hiccup for you or, like, I know that at the con somebody asked about, like, how, you know, can we can we get you on the Zoom marketplace? We've never worked with the Zoom marketplace. So we have no idea, but we're looking into it and trying to figure that stuff out. So if yeah. you have questions like that, you know, feel free to send them in. We will definitely get back to you because we want to make it as good as we can. There was supposed to be a Real Nerds app itself that has access to all these things, but it's too freaking expensive <laughs> to, <laughs> to publish, so... So send us money. So maybe one day. Until we start that Kickstarter page for the new board and the Yeah, exactly. The app. Yeah. Hey, time to unspool some real news. It's real news. Cool. Well, this week, because you guys are always complaining because I just do oh, sad yeah. news. You're right going to start with sad news. No, no, I'm not. I'm going to let you choose. I'm going to let you choose. I'm going to give you a list of words. You pick the one, and that's the one we'll start with. Okay? <laughs> okay. Here we go. These are our options. Retirement, killer, killed, dead, dead-ish, dead-ites, and dick. Deadites. Okay. Um, did you guys see that trailer for the Oz movie? I did. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I Well... I enjoy it, and I look forward to it. I think it's interesting. The reason I said Deadites is because it's a Sam Raimi yeah. movie. And we usually, we don't talk, talk about trailers, but we do usually talk about Sam Raimi stuff. Because so, uh, he's awesome. Yeah. And I think it's cool, you know, they're, they're doing like the black and white kind of a thing. And, you know, that's neat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's a bit more Alice in Wonderland-y than I was expecting. It is, like, but, but the cool thing about Sam Raimi is he's a way better director than Tim Burton. <laughs> so it should be visually way cooler. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Um, I'm just, I'm just worried that it's not. I thought there was gonna, I thought it was gonna be a more serious, like, mm-hmm. really epic kind of a story. And this, it feels more. Um, you know, the you one know, uh, shot on there that really season. got me, uh, Sam Raimi mode, is those little imps that had like the big grin smile that had the sharp teeth. Oh yeah, I mean that's Sam Raimi humor right there. Totally, it is. It is. So and I'm the, sure it'll be something goofy with those. The flying monkeys look pretty freaking cool. Yeah, the flying oh. monkeys are pretty cool. Because it's still practical flying monkeys, or at least it's not practical, but it's um, it's dudes in suits as flying monkeys, which is is cool. Nice. I yeah. think it looks cool. Yeah. Um, and it, it'll a, be interesting. I, and he's I a vis- such a visual director. And it's the first movie he's shooting in 3D, so it might be pretty cool. And it's possible because of how well Alice in Wonderland did that they're trying to promote it that way. Mm-hmm. They want people to think like, hey, it's going to be like that movie that you all went and saw. Um, I think so too. So maybe they're purposely making the trailer look. Yeah, and you already know the tone's going to be kind of dark and silly. I mean, that's what yeah. Sam Raimi does. I mean, his his tone is always yeah. they're always going to be comedy. And they're always going to be dark moments. And I think almost every one of his movies he has something and I, like that. I love uh, James Franco, so it's hard. Well, I, lo- I both love and hate him because he <laughs> is so prolific. But uh, he is. All right. Well, then after this, we'll just start at the top. Go cool. uh, retirement. Um, Drew Struzan is coming out of retirement. Oh, yeah. Which is awesome. I read that. There we go. Now we're awesome. starting with some happy news. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, and he was only... Wait, wait, of, wait. You should explain that in case people don't know who you're talking oh, about. Oh, Drew Struzan, if, if you're somebody who, like, is really into movies and you have you like movies from the 80s, then your favorite movies from the 80s had amazing Drew Struzan posters. He was mm-hmm. a... He was, Pretty much exclusively I love a Back to the artist. Future. Um, the the Indiana Jones posters, the Back to the Future posters. The, his poster for the Thing is awesome. Yep. Um, and the uh, Goonies. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the Goonies. All those ones that are like yeah. they look very realistic, but the truth is they're they're just painted pictures. Mm. Um, the, and and there is a style to him that you can just you can tell a Drew Struzan picture when you see it. Um, they're they're fantastic, and and I've missed them. You know, like I think the last thing he did was. 
Indy 4. I, I think it he was. had just retired, and he kind of came back out just for Indy 4, and then he retired again. Uh, and that's what I was going to say, is that it was a pseudo-retirement anyway. But basically, Mondo, Mondo Tees, who does all of this really cool art and all these really cool posters for movies, and they've been doing it mostly like they'll get just indie artists and stuff like that to just come up with cool they're graphic more, design kind of posters. Yeah, they're they're more about graphic design than they are like selling yeah. and marketing and yeah, identifying with what's... What a focus group decides is what's the best. Yeah, which is a bummer because some of those Mondo posters are so amazing. They are. They are so cool. I love the Cabin in the Woods one. They're they're so good that like I have never bought one because I'm afraid that if I cross that line where I start buying Mondo posters, then I'll buy every Mondo poster. (laughs) Like I'll I'll waste all my money on Mondo posters, and I have no wall space left. Like especially after Denver Comic Con, I have no wall space left. It's all just filled with art now. Where'd you put that John Carter poster? I got you. I am. It's rolled up in a corner somewhere. It may, I may still, still be in, in my car. Bu- it's in his car. I saw it when I put this red bucket in your car That's today. That's right. That's right. The puke bucket's back in the car. Um, no, well, it's because I've got so much like George's Jaunty art and con- signed comic books and stuff on the wall now, and I, I live in a very small room, so I'm out of space. Or otherwise, I would hang it just to spite well, you. Well, when, when you get your new apartment or something, then yeah. you'll have all the oh, walls to put. I will frame that <laughs> crummy John Carter. For, oh, no. It's a, it's a double-sided poster. That's a nice poster. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Double side is the only way to go. <laughs> Drew Struzan, <laughs> Drew Struzan is coming back. Mondo got him to come back and do some exclusive posters for him, which includes um, he. They're they're going to reprint some of the Dark Tower posters that he did. If you've ever seen the movie The Mist, um, that movie is based on Drew Struzan. In fact, there is a documentary on the disc about Drew Struzan, um, and and he did a poster for Dark Tower just for that movie. Um, so. Just go check that movie out and watch that documentary because it's awesome. And it's so great to have him back. I can't wait for – I want him to start doing actual movie posters where I can see his posters in a theater again because they are just gorgeous. And not just like Lucasfilm or Spielberg posters. No. I, I want to see him do like – And yeah, they, they've even o- said – Oz the Great and Powerful or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. They, they even said that he um, he's not just going to be doing that kind – the Lucas and Spielberg kind of stuff. Um, and especially – uh, Mondo Ooh. has been acquiring some pretty interesting rights recently, um, so it'll it'll be, it'd be really cool if uh, he was involved in some of that stuff. It would be awesome if he did, did uh, the World's End poster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that World's End poster? I did. It was not that interesting, I didn't think. It's a teaser poster. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it was just like, eh, okay. Um, but it's, I think it's all the names of the bars that they have to go to on their travel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, on their quest so to get to the world's end bar. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, has his cricket bat from Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> I know that right now you're playing Assassin's Creed. I am playing Assassin's, Assassin's Creed. Creed. Uh, and this week, Michael Fassbender has said he wants to produce and star in an Assassin's Creed movie. That's awesome. I do. I think that's great too. Dude, I think sign me really up for anything for Michael Fassbender. This is true. Yeah, yeah. Anything Michael Fassbender does. He's been does. really good lately. Well, um, I mean, yeah. he's only really caught on lately, but I mean. Yeah. I, I buy everything he does. And the word is sort of that Ubisoft was really unhappy with what uh, Hollywood did with um, Prince of Persia. Prince of Persia. And that Why? they are. Because it was awful. Because Jake Gyllenhaal played an English accented Persian prince. Uh, that wasn't the. That was the <laughs> least offensive. Really? Thing about that I thought movie. that was the most offensive one. Did you actually see it? No, I haven't. I did see it. I sat through that movie. And it's not completely bad, but it's it's not fun well that one looked like they're trying to make a pirates of the caribbean with prince of persia totally that's exactly what they were doing and it wasn't right at all it was just sort of boring anyway um so they're they're going kind of indie and getting 
some indie cred by picking up Michael Fassbender to try and produce this. I think it's I, I think it's a great idea. I think so to too. Go. If they can get enough with his name, hopefully they can get enough money. Well, yeah, and you can make, make a, a historical really drama movie. about an assassin. Yeah, you don't have to do that goofy time well, streaming stuff. They're, no, but, they're gonna do the time streaming stuff. Oh, well. But what they'll do is they'll have him probably play Desmond and whoever he goes back as. No, Whether it's cool. I think it should be an Ezio movie, but if they do go back and do uh, what's his name from Assassin's Creed One. That one it'll, guy. It'll probably Alster. be the same. Yeah. Uh, is that what it is? It, it's something like that. Do Alistair. I remember that? I remember uh, that from Ast- freaking... Ast- Asterland. Aster. Yeah, whatever. Aster. Um, it'll probably be the same. Him Some playing mo- both game of those with terrible controls. So, um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, oh, so... Denver Comic-Con, or San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, Denver Comic-Con. Yes, Denver Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con, the lesser known of the Comic-Cons, started (laughs) up this week uh, with an... I can't... Ah, shoot. There's no good way to start talking about this. Uh, Unfortunately, somebody died, like, on on the first day. Mm -hmm. Um, She was uh, crossing the street to try and keep her place in line and was hit by a car and died, uh, which is awful. Uh, And she was 53 years old. And a Twilight fan. And I heard about this from Chuck at Mile High Comics. He sent out this really nice email about, like, uh, how unfortunate this is and, and the fact that, like, what the the problem all stems from this, this them not it roping is, off and, these streets and, and all of this. And I was and telling you, me and Brad have been to Comic-Con, and you have no idea what you're waiting in line for. They don't have any clear signs or anything. And uh, what Chuck says in the email, which is really true, is they really should have an area where they have a sign that says, Twilight. Hall H, wait right here. Yeah. The next to Iron Man three, Hall H, wait right here because and if it they sucks. do change something on the fly, just honor the people who have been sitting there. Exactly. You got there first, you know? Yeah. Don't just say, Oh well, first come first serve when we move it over to this door. And I don't know it's what's like, more uh heartbreaking that she died or she's a fifty three year old Twilight fan. Oh. <laughs> I knew it was one of those things where it's like <laughs> this is hard to talk about. Because it is. You know, I don't want to see anybody die, and I no, it's, no, no. it's sad, and I hope that the Comic Con realizes that. Yeah. And me and Brad went on kind of an off year. It wasn't even a year where something really big was coming out, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I you, guys, you guys went like right before it really exploded. Well, yeah, we went right after Dark Knight. The Dark Knight was released, correct? Yeah, two thousand eight. Yeah. So yeah, so we went after the Dark Knight. So there was really the following year, two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Really, it was yeah. a too um, big of things, was there? I'm trying to think what came out in 2009, that Transformers? Yeah. I would I say somewhere around 2009, 2010 stuff. is when it so really exploded. When it was really like mecca and you couldn't get tickets anymore. Because yeah. you guys got tickets like a month or so before yeah, it yeah. opened. It's like, weird. Which is crazy. It's on a whim. We're like, hey, we should go to Comic-Con finally. Yeah. Like <laughs> and we did it. We did. <laughs> you couldn't have gotten tickets two weeks ago, for sure, to, <laughs> for this year. Um, uh, but well, yeah, it's it's pretty unfortunate. And it's crazy because it, like last year that guy got stabbed. But that was funny. Wait, he got stabbed by a, with a. You didn't hear about this? No, I don't know anybody getting stabs funny, but he go got on. stabbed with a pencil and he survived. And it oh yeah, I got stabbed in the eye. Yeah, was it in the eye? Yeah, I thought he just got stabbed in the arm, and I think his eye was okay. Pencil. <laughs> if I remember correctly, like he was a. Was it, <laughs> see, that's the thing. Like the the stories went crazy. Like it was more rumor than than actual facts, and the guy ended up being okay, as I remember. Uh, and it was just so crazy that it was like, whoa, this is this fluke, you know, crazy thing that happened at Comic-Con. Uh, but for somebody to actually die, uh, yeah, you're right. I think they, they need to take a serious look they at do. this and, and figure out how to do something better. Um, maybe just kick some of Hollywood out of it and make it small again so that I can go. <laughs> they won't. <laughs> they won't. Because I just want to talk to Comic. That's the, the other thing is that when I do finally go, there's so much shit to do. I don't. Oh, yeah. When we were there, Artist really Alley, you couldn't. 
fudge. It was tough. Uh, a lot of people died this week. Uh, in addition to this is why I didn't want to do. I didn't want to pick order the order myself because lots of people died. Uh, Ernest Borgnine died, which is sad. He was. I. It was insane when I looked at his IMDb page. How much stuff he was still doing. Yeah, over he's the last tons. Oh, it's crazy. And he was he was still fantastic, and it's it's sad that he won't be in movies anymore. Um, as the only good thing you can say about it is he lived to be ninety five, so you got to accomplish a lot. You can see him in a lot of things, yeah. And you'll never really run out of stuff for him to see him in. Yep, for sure. Uh, Richard Zanuck, who's a producer, died this week. Who Jaws produced Jaws as well. Who's going to fire Steven Spielberg? Dark Shadows. <laughs> um, this year's Dark Shadows. Uh, maybe yeah. that's what killed him. No, 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 no. no. Well, he was producing like like he he produced all the Tim Burton stuff, but he was also producing like the Sam Mendes stuff, like Road to Perdition, and uh, oh no, dude, he's a pretty famous producer. Yeah, no, no, Rain of Fire. The movie's dude, I awesome. think that movie's cool. That movie's awesome. Yeah, it's one of those movies that's really badass that a lot of people don't know is badass. Yeah, at one point a dude jumps at a dragon. It's cool. Um, Dead ish, dead ish was for. Some more, I'm sorry, Ryan, but some more unfortunate news about World War Z. I did read that. Uh, which is that Drew Goddard has been signed on. I mean, it's it's sort of unfortunate. Drew Goddard. Drew Goddard writer. has been signed on to rescript the end of the movie. Uh, in addition, basically, what they're saying now is that Damon Lindelof was approached and, and he's too busy. He had the idea for how they could fix it, but was too busy to actually script it. So Drew Goddard is coming on to write Damon Lindelof's end to the movie. Uh, which is again it's just too many people touching this movie um obviously they're just scrambling to try and get it Wait, watchable it's based on a book right yeah so the end is already written so what's the problem well they 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 <laughs> they, they, they skewed from the end, from the book so much to begin with that there isn't a way they can't just go back to the book and be like you know it'd be like going back to i am legend and and realizing like oh uh, we can't use the end of this book because we made this movie about not zombies or not vampires. Have you seen the original ending to that movie? I have. It's way better. I yeah. It uh, is I amazingly agree. better. Yeah. I actually think the movie is pretty good, but I the too. original ending. I mean that they shot and focus groups hated, so they went back and made a stupid sunny ending. This is why you don't listen to focus groups. Yep. Yeah. People don't know what they really want. Yep. Agreed. And finally, Dick. Was that Magic Mike Two is getting, or they're making? And they're finally, talking about making. Did you say, and finally, Dick. And finally, Dick it was the last oh, word that okay, I gave you're you. Saying. Um, they're making a Magic Mike Two, or they're talking about it because it did pretty well. Because uh, middle-aged, middle American women really wanted to go see a movie about strippers, and um, Channing Tatum wants to make one, and he wants to make it bigger. Uh, Get it? Uh, nah. uh, yeah. Actually, the truth is, if they could get Steven Soderbergh to do it, I would totally see that movie. I thought he was retiring. Um, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> he's either retiring or going into TV or just going to be a painter. Um, and make another 1,700 movies. And he's also going to make more movies, I'm sure. He releases like three movies a year. Yeah. Coming soon, Magic or Mike. <laughs> <laughs> just when you thought the oh. dust had worn off. Here's the thing. The, the sense of humor that's in that movie, that could totally be the poster. Sweet. Coming anyway. <laughs> soon. Yeah. Magic or Mike. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's the news for this week. Well, Ryan, do you have anything? Uh, I don't. You covered everything. I, I was going to say that stuff, but I, I cheat and I look at your list and I say, I'm going to anything. No, he put everything on there. I'm the legend of Korra got renewed. Just kind of throw that in there. Uh, I'm not surprised. Everyone loves that show. Not everyone. Well, mm. everyone who watches it loves it, but unfortunately it's got low ratings. On to our brand new segment that's not new. Stuff we've been watching. 
uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. So, guys, guess what? What? I totally went and saw Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. <laughs> um, it's a new movie with Steve Carell. Have you seen it yet? I have not, no. Brad has seen it. But here's yeah, the thing. About I haven't seen it because everybody who does see it goes, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's okay. Adam Brody's really funny in it. He plays the oh, boyfriend yeah? of Kira Knightley. He's only in it for like five minutes, but he's really funny in it. I, I feel like I should like that guy more, and I should see him in more movies than I do. Because he, uh, he gets really jealous at a point because Steve Carell comes in to rescue Kira Knightley's character, Penny. And he's he's like, oh, my God, are you fucking this old guy? And he punches the wall, and it breaks his hand. He's like, oh, babe, I broke my hand. That's my guitar playing hand. And then she said, don't you play your guitar with two hands? It's funny stuff like that. And that was the only really funny part in the movie. The rest of the movie was a downer. Everything was sad. And, really? Um, Steve Carell was... Uh, the actors are so good in it. Martin Sheen shows up in it. He's great in Dude. it. Dude. Um, I, I love the line where he says, I just want you to say you're sorry. And then he says, I'm sorry. Uh, dude, it's great. It's great. Um, but uh, I am going to spoil this movie for you. Okay. By the way. Um, I, at the end, does everybody die? So anyways, at the end of the movie, the one thing I do like about it is they, because it was a focus feature, is they did do the ending of everybody dying. Yeah. But what I don't like about it is they made an ending where everybody was dying. And it, it to me, it's just, I, I don't know, it's just depressing and it keeps the, and I know why that movie didn't do well. So like you like the fact that they had the balls to do it, but I also but let, the fact that everybody dies at the end takes away from the movie. It does, because I don't, it, I don't know. It, it's well, I hear you. I, I think it's, that's why it wasn't popular enough, because... It feels, it feels like a comedy, so I'm kind of half of me is kind of hoping like, oh, it's just going to be a hoax, and yeah, yeah. someone got the yeah, totally, it's like weird. the asteroid or yeah. whatever would just barely skip by the Earth, and everybody will go, oh man, so, so I have AIDS now, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, exactly, or like what do we, which do? would not be like, funny. Now we got to solve this problem yeah, because of all the chaos we created, exactly, exactly. And Steve, you know, Steve Carell and Karen Knightley found out that they're perfect for each other, and where would that go? Um, but I, I mean, there's. There's parts where, you know, I, I, I commend them for keeping with that ending. Yeah. Because a lot of times when you, if it was made at Universal or Paramount, you know they wouldn't die. Yeah. But in this right. one, I mean, it, it's scary and it, it happens. And it, so to me, I don't know. I'm really torn with this movie because there's parts of it I enjoyed. but the, How it, weird was the uh, guy who hires people to assassinate him? Yeah. Like <laughs> It's just... there's that was, so That's a weird scene. It's just something off. Yeah. The dude who's in... CSI, what's his name? Will and Peterson. William Peterson, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just the whole tone of the movie was bizarre, Correct. and it, the the frenzies scene was great with T.J. <laughs> Miller and Gillian Jacobs. Um, now I'm gonna have to use my free ticket to go see this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not there anymore. Oh, with all the new movies, well, this Colin is true. Drift. Yeah, um, but you, I mean, if you, you, I'd rent it. It's just hard for me to recommend it. It's just such a a bummer because it. But I mean, the performances are so good. Why um, release that in the summer? Why not release that in February or January? Yeah. Like that's a that's a time when a people would movie. go see that. Um, and I do give it props too because they had uh, when Steve Carell was flipping through Karen Knightley's records, uh, the faces and not as a good wink to a blind horse was one of yeah. uh, the records. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's the faces' greatest album they ever released from 1971, and it's cool because Stewart's in it. Yeah, Rod Stewart's oh, part of the faces. I was like, What's the face? The faces. Oh. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd say rent that movie. Um, I do it re- uh, respect them for going with that ending, but I also don't like them because they went with that ending. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm really conflicted in the movie. And I was in a theater. I've been going to Denver West since it opened 14 years ago. I've never been in the theater at the very end on the right side. 
And I finally went to that one. That must be where the movies go to die. Because <laughs> I used my free ticket to go see it, and I was the only one in the theater. Ugh. Two times in both Kara Knightley movies. She must not test well in Golden, Colorado. <laughs> and for them to play that your free movie, it actually cost them money. It cost them money for me to be there because I didn't even buy any soda or popcorn. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, because that was my second movie I saw that yeah. day. The first movie I saw was Moonrise Kingdom. Hang on. I'm going to get a drink real quick. <laughs> He's just going to drag this out as much as possible. So, of course, Brad and I have both seen it. Yes. And Brad wants to know whether or not you liked it and side mm. with him or whether or not you liked it but not as much as Brad and side with me. Okay. I'll tell you. Uh, let me tell you what this movie is really good at. Um, I thought this movie was lots of fun. Cool. Um, I loved Edward Norton's character in it. Yeah. Um, I loved it. He opens up and, you know, he's goofy and he's he has a cigarette and he has this routine that he does every morning. Um, what I did not like about the movie is, um, the kids sometimes when they were speaking really pulled me out of Wes Anderson's world. Um, okay. Yes. That's what I was saying. And it's not, it's not the, um, it's not the lead kids. It's actually the kids that are in the, uh, the scout scout troop. Um, in particular, there's a couple scenes and a couple lines. There's scenes at the beginning like the fight in the woods? The fight in the woods was okay. Oh, okay. Um, but w- at the end, when they're up in the treehouse, and they're all thinking about busting him out, and yeah. they have this weird uh, dialogue that works if you're an actor like George Clooney or Bill Murray, but when you're a child and you're green, it just it doesn't sell it to me. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there's that scene where um, the kids are at Moonrise Kingdom, and they're sitting on the thing. And uh, Sam says, I love you. And she just looks at him and she says, I love you too. And I thought that was brilliant. And those kids were so good at that part. Um, yeah, I, I, I did. I really liked the movie. I really did. Um, to me, it has a lot of Wes Anderson quality. But what you said is sometimes the kids pull you out of it because yeah. they... It, it the dialogue is really good, but it is the kind of dialogue that you don't expect from children. Yeah, and um, I, I know that's the point of the movie because they're trying to keep it in Wes Anderson's yeah realm but you know it's it's it's, distracting it's sort of his his style rather than um him trying to uh, yeah exactly give that that kind of a mentality but there's some really awesome scenes um with the adults when i love when they call social services and you know bruce willis is talking to her he's he's like wait a minute you just want to send this kid to this place (laughs) and then there's this quietness and then edward norton's character chimes in says who is this it's, it's really funny <laughs> stuff like that oh this is social services yeah that whole and was that her character name social services so yeah that's pretty funny yeah, yeah. she never um, in the name. opening credits it's she's yeah social social services. Services. Yeah. you know what sucked when i saw it the credits were cut like Ooh. the framing of the movie was wrong at the beginning oh that was oh nice. so um because the opening credits are pretty dang good yeah. they are the i mean those cool and I, I loved how it was shot i mean wes anderson uh, you said it earlier has an amazing eye for um placement in his frames um, yeah and symmetry yeah it's and I, I don't even know that i've ever seen him pay attention to symmetry this much like it, it was a thing that he did the way that um uh oh crap what's his name the guy who did 2001 wow kubrick kubrick like kubrick always did sy- symmetry but it was more like just making sure that things were in balance in the yeah. frame like here he will specifically make sure that every shot is Sy- you know symmetrical and then when things go, go wrong in the movie things get asymmetrical and like it it was almost distracting how much he was paying attention to it but it's so cool yeah I, the movie i i mean I, I is i thought the movie was really good i don't know if it'll be in my top 10 it could be yeah. i think i'm gonna have to watch it again um 
Stay te- teaser for our end of the year top ten. Mm-hmm. You know, stay tuned to find out. Yeah, where stay it is. tuned for my top ten four <laughs> months from now. Um, but yeah, I the movie was funny. I I had a lot of fun watching it. I really did. Um, it yeah. went by really quick. The movie moves really quickly. Yeah, I the think, second time I saw it, it was like, oh, it's over already. <laughs> I think what we can definitely say is, as much as we have sort of gone back and forth about this movie, you should go see this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, it's no, really good and a, a, a fun time uh, and something that people should check out. I agree. And it's it's kind of cool um, <laughs> seeing that what is so wrong with what these kids were doing. I yeah, mean, it's exactly. not... Um, and, you know, even the kids, when they had that really clumsy scene on the top of the treehouse... They were saying, you know, why are, why are we mean to this kid? We yeah. have no reason to be mean to this kid. And they're right. And, you know, it's... Everyone's operating in a world where they've just, like, grown up doing things a certain way. And, like, they're so stuck in this rut mm-hmm. of their lives. It, like, it takes this event to snap everyone out of that, that zombie, just like... You know the thing with uh, Wes Anderson movies with me, too, is it takes me a long time to get into them. Yeah. Um, but this one, for some reason, I got pulled in right away because it started with uh, the the guy who was just describing the island. Yeah. And oh, that, Balaban. And yeah. that one scene where his, like, foot was raised up on a rock and he was, like, all uncomfortable how he was standing. <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I'm back into Wes Anderson's world. So um, good. So good. And I love um, that that line about the kids, you know, not... What like figuring out like why why are we being mean to these kids? To me, ha- also has this meta context of like, oh well, because you're the like you're the 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 cl- sort of cliched archetype of mean kids who have to be mean to these characters. Otherwise, there's no plot. And so this moment when they realize it's just it's great. You're like, Jason oh, yeah, Schwartzman was you? great in the movie too. Oh yes, oh. <laughs> go over there and talk about it, and then come back. Or uh, to the terrible CG when Edward Norton jumped across the yeah. <laughs> the river, I guess, <laughs> on purpose. Uh, that was really funny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I, I do want to ask you, though, what do you think about the thing that happens at the top of the hill at the end of the movie? At the, the end top of the, the hill? Yeah, yeah. When, he, the when, they're, when they're out in the, in the field, when they're, when they're all getting chased and they're out mm-hmm. in the field oh, and, and, he, and something happens. Oh, he gets... Well, we've all seen yeah. it. We can spoil it, right? Um, not everybody's seen it. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Did you... Oh, oh yeah, that was, that was was weird. Like, yeah, okay, it was yeah. weird. It's one of those events that I was just like, what is that is... thing you were talking about last week? Because I thought you were talking yeah. about the at the church. It was no, a fantastic no. Mr. Fox type? Not not the part of the church. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm talking about earlier in the field when he first gets oh. hit. Um, hmm. that, that was a, that was a real weird part. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I, don't, I, I don't know. know well, I don't know what the point he, of him and him coming back hit up by that was. You know, black makeup on. I'm like, wow. Humorous, yeah. Guess, bit, it just, felt, just it felt out of place. Again, it's, it's like, Wes oh, Anderson being Wes yeah. Anderson. I don't. Anyway. I don't try to understand all his stuff. <laughs> I just try to enjoy it, and usually it's pretty easy to. And you know, still my favorite Wes Anderson um, line from a movie is uh, in Royal Tenenbaums, where Bill Murray says he looks pretty good for a suicide. Just I love, <laughs> I love how he delivers that line. Yeah, um, that's good. And uh, so yeah, so go see the Moonrise Kingdom. It was pretty good. Uh, and the last thing I saw is I'm, I'm, I'm on this bender of watching classic movies, and I watched Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh, dude. Dude, and it is f- fucking brilliant. Yeah. No, it is. I love that movie. I was laughing my ass off last night. Laura came in. She's like, what are you watching? <sighs> I haven't seen that since I was like 12. I watched it on TV and once. Dude, it is, it so is good. brilliant. And it's because it's those guys are so smart and... Um, that Abbott has to play the straight guy, but he still has funny lines. And, you know, Costello's just all over the place. And yeah. uh, and what's great about it, too, is it it plays on all the tropes that you know of these classic monsters. 
um, you know, Dracula with him covering his uh, face with his cape and Costello being like, you didn't see the, <laughs> you can't see what I'm doing, but it's, it's fucking brilliant. It's and him it's, mimicking Costello, yeah, mimicking monsters. Yeah. It's freaking brilliant. I, I can't believe how much I love this movie. Uh, my father always told me I should watch it. Um, because I, always, I told him I got, um, the Dracula legacy collection just oh. recently. And my father's like, you have to see Albert Costello meet Frankenstein. And I said, oh, I don't know. I mean... Oh, Dad, you're yeah, old. Yeah, you're old. What do no. you know? No, this movie is brilliant. And uh, there's so many parts that are just manic and that you don't think would be in a movie released in 1948 because yeah. the co- comedic timing is so quick yeah. and so not slow building. Like, uh, Some Like a Hot's a great movie, and it's from 1968. Mm-hmm. I, no, way earlier than that. 58, I'm sorry. Yeah. And it was a little slower moving. This one was like slapstick. And when... Uh, uh, Costello's like the short fat guy even though he's not really that fat but he's the short fat guy and the hottest chick in the movie is in love with him because she wants to steal his dim-witted brain to put in Frankenstein so Dracula can easily control Frankenstein <laughs> and uh, and then another hot insurance lady falls uh, is trying to trick Costello into seeing what happened to these the crates that contain Dracula and Frankenstein's monster and so they want to take him to the masquerade ball, these two hot chicks, and Abbott can't believe it. There's a great line where Abbott says, come over here for a second, after this girl Joan wants to take him to this masquerade ball as well. And he pulls down up the blind, and he's like, what? What do you want? He's like, oh, I'm just making seats. So when I see you in light, I'm not missing anything, like how ugly he is. <laughs> and it's brilliant. And Lon Chaney's great as a wolf man in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I fucking love this movie. Like, uh... Lon Chaney shows up as Talbot and he wants to be locked in the hotel room because if he gets out, you know, he causes problems, murders yeah. people. Yeah. And so Costello's put in charge of keep, keep him locked in. But then he realizes he leaves his suitcase in his room. So he goes, unlocks the door and he's going to put his suitcase back in. And he obviously Talbot isn't there and he's already turned into the wolf man. So he goes in the back and the door for the bathroom slowly creaks open and Costello walks by and shuts it, and it's the Wolfman. And then he's like, I know, I'll leave him a note. Dear Mr. Talbot, yeah, I left your bag, and, and so the Wolfman's about to creep in on him. He's like, Wilbur, dot, dot, dot. And then he moves, and the Wolfman tries to jump and get him, and he can't. It's awesome. You should totally, it's on Netflix. You should watch Out and Stello Meet Frankenstein. It's brilliant. And that's what I watched. Cool. James? Uh... Well, I finally got back onto my David Mamet train, which I've been uh, getting close to the end of. And, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I actually am. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff left that I could watch and would like to watch, but some of it's really hard to find. Like, you can't get I Really Want the Spanish Prisoner on DVD or Blu-ray. You just can't get it anymore. Uh, that movie is one of the best heist movies of the last 30 years or so. You should, If you have never seen The Spanish Prisoner, desperately try to find it. Um, you can rent it on Netflix, but you can't get it on Amazon. Hmm. Um, anyway, this week I saw one of the smaller David Mamet movies. Uh, I actually saw two, but um, American Buffalo is based on one of his plays, uh, and it 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 shows because the entire movie is takes place inside of this antique shop uh, that is owned by um, Dennis Franz's character, who's named Don. Dennis Franz is the guy, the, like the stocky bald guy from NYPD Blue. You, know, you see his ass guy. all the time. Sipowitz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So he owns the shop, and Dustin Hoffman is in it as well, and the two of them are friends, and they're sort of, they're like local thieves, local sort of crime guys. They don't have a lot of money, but they're always looking for that next little job where they can just get a few hundred dollars, you know, some kind of thing. Um, and basically what happens is this guy comes in and buys a this buffalo penny, uh, or no, it's a nickel, buffalo nickel off of uh, Don from the shop, and pays just drops 90 bucks for it and leaves. And the guy's like, I don't know what this was, but clearly it was worth way more. Like, he's pissed because he's like, I've been had. Like, this guy got this for 90 bucks, and it was clearly worth more than that. So he's going to – the whole movie – it's a little less than half, an hour and a half. The whole movie is just them planning a heist to break into that guy's house and steal that nickel back. And there's really only three characters. So the entire movie is just the dialogue between uh, Dustin Hoffman, Dennis France, and this kid, Bob, that they're sort of – uh, training up to be a thief like them, and it's just fantastic. Like it sounds like it would be boring because it's really just it's just dudes talking about a heist that shouldn't be that hard. But the dialogue is so snappy, and they're they're bouncing around and talking about different things all the time that you are totally engrossed. Like I started it, and I was playing Batman Arkham City at the same time, and I put down <laughs> ba- I put bed down Batman. And was like, no, this is awesome. Like I am totally in this movie. Um, it was it was so good. Uh, you can get it on Amazon Instant Streaming. So just do that because sure. it's with an hour and a half. Like you, you, you can't find a better sort of a drama than this, um, and it is really that because you never see the heist. The, the heist is not in the movie. Um, it's just about them setting it up and figuring it out. And when things them thinking that things go wrong, and Dustin Hoffman is just amazing because he sort of teaches like this. You know, at first you just think he's sort of pathetic, and then you realize that he's a little bit out there. Like, there's something in him that's just a little bit broken. Uh, and that transformation is really cool to watch. Uh, and the the end is fantastic. I would love to see this on stage at some point. I think it would be so cool. And it's staged so well that I... It's one of those that, like, I, I don't even know how you would really do it. Um, and then, because I was so enthused about American Buffalo, I thought, I'm going to watch another one. I how can I uh, there's a movie of his that's also based on a play called Edmund that's on Netflix you can watch it instantly on Netflix um, and it stars William H Macy and it's got a bunch of other little cameos in it and it's basically about this guy who has sort of a me- mental breakdown at the beginning of the movie he has his his like tarot cards read to him and they're all just awful like they're just the worst and he goes home and tells his wife that he thinks she's boring. And then he just walks out the door and says, I'm, ne- I'm never coming back. Um, and the first half of the movie is kind of entertaining in like a sick and twisted way because he's just wandering around. Like he's going to he goes to a strip club because he wants to get laid. And he, he actually gets the stripper to say like, yeah, if you give me this amount of money, I will take you upstairs to a room and, you know, we'll do whatever. Um, it's like falling down. Well, it is. It's totally like falling down. <laughs> um, and... But then he he's, he's like, no, no, I don't want to pay however much you want to pay. Mostly just because she was like, well, you give me 50 bucks and then you pay this girl 50 bucks for a drink. Um, and that way that that money goes to the people here. And he's like, no, no, I want to give you the money. I don't want to give her the money. Like he's he's not even arguing about the cost. He's just arguing about who he's giving the money directly to. Um, and then he like he runs into this uh, pimp on the street and he argues with that guy and has a he has a fight with that guy. He goes to a peep, peep, peep show. Uh 
and argues with with uh, Bai Ling, who is, of course, the stripper, because she shows up every time you need somebody fucking crazy to take their clothes off, <laughs> um, and argues with her. Uh, but then it totally is, explodes and goes to these weird places, and, and I did not like this movie at all. Uh, it doesn't have the snappy dialogue, because it's mostly just him going and doing these things, and he's quiet most of the time, and he... Like the things that he says sometimes are kind of funny in context, um, but it's not that entertaining. And by the end, I I didn't know what I was supposed to be getting out of it anymore. I was just like, I I don't know what your point is. Um, so I would avoid this movie, uh, to be sure. It's it's going to be probably at the bottom of my David Mamet list when <laughs> I finally do it, um, which is a shame. Uh, before well, I do, there always has to be one. Yeah, no, I know. And I was on such a good streak, especially after American Buffalo, because I loved that so much. Like, I really, because I started forming the list since I know I'm getting close. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I got to rewatch Untouchables, and I got to rewatch The Spanish Prisoner. It's if crazy because you get in a mode where you like somebody so much. Like, I did yeah. with Robert Downey Jr., where you say, this guy can't make anything wrong. Then you watch In Dreams, you're like, he can you make get to, Yeah, you get to one, and you're like, oh. And, man. you know, it, then I find out, you know, it's really not his fault that the movie's bad, but he can't save the movie. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing, like with Ronan, like Ronan, I don't think is a good movie, but that movie is like, there's another script writer and then the director obviously messed a lot of it mm -hmm. up. So it's like, oh, I can give him a lot of leeway. This one was, you know, a play written by David Mamet, a script written by David Mamet, directed by somebody else, but that doesn't matter. Um, so it's just like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Every now and then he's going to do a bad one. That's got to be okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, was, but American Buffalo, I was like making the list out and it was going to be like pretty close to the top. I was like, mm -hmm. I got to rewatch, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross mm -hmm. and find out if I think American Buffalo is better. Um, but uh, anyway, I also this week still watching The Dark Knight or I, I rewatched The Dark Knight. I mean, um, and that movie's still great. Still watching Batman. It's still good. I started watching West Wing, but only in a couple episodes in and s spoilers for whenever I do talk about it. But, oh, dude, what? It's really good. Um, <laughs> but the last thing I want to talk about was I didn't talk about this last week, mostly because I forgot, but also because we were trying to do a kid-friendly episode, so maybe it wouldn't have been smart to talk about Magic Mike. Uh, but I did go see Magic Mike. Um, With my wife. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, the assumptions that other people were making that we were together were probably okay. It was when we started holding hands that that was a problem. That's just inappropriate. Yeah, it, it really is. Who, man. What kind of weird relationship do we have that I was able to make that joke and not get punched in the <laughs> face? I would have deserved it. Anyway, um, everybody knows what Magic Mike is about, uh, and it's pretty good. Is it really? Yeah, it is. There is a lot of stripping in the movie, and, I, and some of the scenes, I think, go on too long. They feel like uh, we, uh, we had an old lady in our audience who was just sitting a little behind us and to the right who, every time there was stripping going on, she would like start clapping her hands and go, Woo! <laughs> I guess they really did Woo! make it an event movie, didn't they? They did, yeah. Like, and the, the audience was full of, you know, nothing against them, but middle-aged women. Were you the like only in dude parties. there? Uh, no, there was another dude who bought his ticket right, like a couple people in front of us. He was alone. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. I, felt I mean, it's okay if you're gay. Um, yeah, but, but have but some gay friends. Take yeah, gay totally. Friends with it. Now um, you're just looking at Matt Bomber because you know it was weird. Because um, he's, he's gay in real life. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it, I don't think the movie is what people think it is. And in fact, mm. if you cut out the stripping, it would it would be a pretty serious movie about this guy who is in his 30s and realizes that he is a stripper and, and has all his, his hopes banked on this one thing happening. Um, and you realize, like, it, and 
um, Stephen Soderbergh does it in a really great way. And I guess really this, the screenwriter uh, whose name is Reed Cor- Coralin um, does this. But he sort of reveals that to you slowly. Like at first you think like, dude, this guy's really got things together. And then you realize like, oh, this really is the only thing he's got going. And even though he's got all this potential to do other stuff, he needs to be successful at stripping in order to get there. Um, and that is just... Like this, he's on this journey to really trying to try to figure out who he is. You know, like he's thirty and he's got to do something else. Um, and of, at the same time, he's falling in love with this girl that he has just met. Um, and it's who I don't that think's part, that cute. Uh, she doesn't need to be. Here's the thing. Yeah, she thing. does. You see Channing Tatum, hottie with a body. <laughs> no, I like part of why I like the two of them together is the fact that like she is not some, you know, like Olivia Munn is in this movie and. Um, if it were her, I would totally find that sort of annoying that like, oh, yeah, you got some. But you, you don't know, like Olivia Munn. So that's really, not very fair. I really don't. But, uh, but you know what I mean? Like the fact that she is this sort of normal looking girl uh, and she's not. I don't think she's unattractive. Oh, no, I, I think didn't by say comparison that, to like Hollywood stars. Jennifer you, Aniston. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it were Jennifer Aniston, I would find that annoying. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, I. I would say that people should see this movie. I got another free movie ticket. Should I use my free movie ticket for Magic Mike? No. What you should do is (laughs) you should go see, you should rent this movie and then fast forward through the stripping. Because I do actually think the biggest problem with this movie is the stripping goes on so long that it, it sort of detracts from the movie. You lose, Mm. you lose the story for a little while because it is like there's, here's a stripping sequence. Um, And it's not, it's not terribly vulgar. It's really just dancing. Um, Eventually, like there is some butt, but there is no actual nudity in the movie. Um, well, Olivia Munn is, but as far she's as she's like, naked in it, yeah. Oh, as far as it. like <laughs> dude frontal, there is no actual nudity. Like oh well, now you just stuff. lost me. First you said but Olivia Munn was naked. I'm going to see it, but now you said there's no there's dick no in dick, it. So, so why I'm not going to go? Gonna go. Um, but yeah, like I think if you could not see those sections, because I think they take away from the movie. Really? So it doesn't feel organic that they're in it, is what you're saying, basically? No, because yeah, cause they're sort of on a... They feel like they're out of a different movie. Hmm. They feel very un-Steven Soderbergh, because it's all of a sudden there's just lights and dancing and stuff, and it goes on for a while. Uh, I sort of expected that they would do a few, and then later it would be a thing where... When it would, when one would start, they would go out there and then would cut away mm-hmm. to something else, that kind of thing. I also expected that at some point they were going to condemn the women in the audience that were watching the guys strip, but they also never do that. Like he, that is not what he's interested in doing. The truth is, he is not interested in the stripping at all. Mm-hmm. He is interested in this story about this guy trying to find himself, um, and so am I. But the, the, there's a lot of stripping. <laughs> there really is, and it it kind of goes on, um, and I. Maybe it's because I am a dude who has never been to a like chick strip club. You haven't, but uh, no, I haven't. But I that's because I'd find it in no way appealing at all. They're not. Um, I went for my uh, bachelor party, and I yeah. really didn't want to go. I remember I was telling Brad because Brad came to the Avalanche game with me at my bachelor party. I'm like, dude, I do not want to go to the strip club because one, you get stuck there, and they're all like, Ugh, they're just gross. Yeah, and so maybe it's my mindset that like I see all of these women going in there and acting all crazy and getting drunk and like swooning over these you know beefed up guys and i think like this is just gross and i sort of expected there to be a moment where somebody said like you understand how sad and gross this is right um but nobody ever does that Mm. i also wanted that to happen just so that the lady who was 
screaming and clapping <laughs> would, the would get her comeuppance. There was Be a like, moment. This movie's so meta. It's just for you. <laughs> there was a moment where uh, the the act the characters in the movie are really excited because they just got some beachfront property in Miami and they're cheering and she cheered <laughs> and I was like, "You don't have beachfront property in Miami, woman. Why but, are you cheering?" See, people like that don't bother me in movies, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, well, but here's the, like, if she were Latin, no, this would have been, this would have bothered you. It really would have, hmm. because it wasn't like, it wasn't like the whole audience was really into it and was cheering. It was like, here's this one lady who is just cheering because there's dudes on screen. Like, it was, it was weird. It was, it was not cool. Um, like, if people were laughing in a movie mm-hmm. or cheering or whatever or clapping, that I think is fine. Mm-hmm. But this was. I don't know, like, because dudes don't do that when there's and it's every movie. There's, Dude, there's some obviously you're not old chick. enough to be at Showgirls when it came out, but man, I was like, woo! Yeah, <laughs> I've never seen Showgirls. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing I can compare it to. Striptease. I've never seen striptease either. I haven't either, but I assume that in striptease there's lots of stripping. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, um, so if you like that, go see Magic Mike. I do love dude stripping. Laura, you liked it, right? Laura says it was okay. Cool. So, Brad, what have you been watching? Oh, is that it? Sorry, James. Yeah, that's it. Oh, and at the end of the movie, that that crazy lady, she was asleep. <laughs> I were pretty, we're pretty, <laughs> oh, we're pretty we're sure she. Was, we're pretty sure. No, she was breathing. I just think she was on drugs. So, um, yeah. But old lady, how old? I don't know. She Excuse was sixty. Excuse me, miss. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Laura's <laughs> saying she was either late 50s, hard life, or early 60s. Yeah. Or she got so excited and it was clapping and cheering that she gave herself a heart attack and you guys just left her she was, lying dead. She was old enough that, like, she had those real skinny arms where there was, like, there was, like, like loose, Flab. loose flabby <laughs> stuff. Yeah, exactly. It was like, what? But she was really tanned. I don't know. She does drugs. Uh, James, uh, wh- who are you texting during our fucking podcast, dude? Uh, Ryan. Dude, rude. Well, he texted me. He wanted to know if I'm busy. I was going to say, yeah. What a jerk. Brad, what have you been watching? (laughs) Um, I saw Ted again, and I watched uh, Nick Swordsman's Pretend Time, and they're both funny. I'm done. (laughs) 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 Pretend Time is his show, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Sketch comedy show. That show is pretty good. I've seen it. Stuff like Rosa Parks getting eaten by sharks. uh, (laughs) um, That's not funny. uh, Wheelchair Cat, Trust Fun Kitty. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Ted, we've already talked about. It's still good. Yeah, still good. Although the audience wasn't great. Really? It's prompted me to go on a crusade to visit movie theaters and uh, study the audiences and do a survey of asshole audiences. <laughs> we're, just we're treading on real racist ground. Doing right an unsolicited survey, just go in there and, you know, without yeah, anybody's I, knowledge. I want to take a folding chair, sit in the very front, face the audience, and just watch <laughs> throughout the whole movie taking notes. Yeah. Like, okay, row three, talking. <laughs> checking cell phone, row five. But you got to kind of announce it. Say, hi, I'm here. I'm from Regal Entertainment. And no, I'm screw that. No, because then the hell like... out of those people. <laughs> <laughs> They've ruined uh. movies for me. I'm going to ruin it for them. <laughs> With my creepy. I'm trying to watch Breaking Dawn Part 2 <laughs> when Bella fights a cougar. And this man is staring at me and taking notes. I, I am kind of, I've been afraid lately that we're going to grow up to be those people who like don't go see movies in theaters. Oh, no, I'll still like, see them. Dude, I can, I can, I have a big TV. Why would I? I have a big TV right now and I, yeah. I, I still enjoy going out to watch movies. And then here's the thing. When an audience is good, it's, it makes the movie better. Oh yeah. You know, I've never laughed harder at Pulp Fiction than when I saw it in theaters. 
Or like, you know, when episode one came out, like just, yeah. the, you know, cheering before the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I love a great audience. I Yeah. It might it might just be like at a certain See, point I stop going to whenever the like same wa- wa- wavelength with like a good joke it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. What you like guys Ed. need to do is go see a Kira Knightley movie, <laughs> the mid afternoon <laughs> during the week, and you'll have the whole theater to yourself. Or creature. So Pirates Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's cool. All. all right. That's all I got. Cool. Sorry. So this week it's James' turn on. What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. That's my setup for Brad. I mean, Joe. It's the Comics Corner. Yeah. nerds? It's the Comic Corner. Oh gosh, that never gets old. Um, well, this week, first of all, I have to just say I just got an email from Amazon saying that my Lock and Key Volume Five Clockworks is, nice. is in the mail. So. Yeah, when you've been uh, reading that, you should let me read it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll probably just bring it right to you because obviously I've read it. But uh, that's not the comic for this week. The comic for this week, and also not the comic for this week, is Walking Dead number 100, even though it was awesome. And if you're reading Walking Dead, you already know. Um, but the comic for this week, because we've never done it, and we're doing an interview with Zach Howard, uh, is The Cape. It was uh, based on a story by Joe Hill, um, and the art is obviously by Zach Howard, uh, and the the script is by a guy whose name I don't know how to pronounce, but Zach will pronounce it well for you. Um, <laughs> and, and it's about this this these two brothers who, when they're kids, um, one of them has this cape that he has that he was is given. We're sort of learning how he gets it now, um, but it actually makes him fly. And uh, he falls and breaks his arm on a tree, and then loses the cape in the basement for a while. And when he grows up. Um, he has this horrible day where he is his girlfriend breaks up with him and he is just he's really an asshole. Like he has grown up to be a horrible person. And he finds the cape in the basement and it makes him fly. Uh and the tagline for the book has always been um you will believe that uh, that a bad person can fly after the Superman tagline. And it it's really just it's it's this story about what would happen if you gave superpowers to a complete jackass? And surprisingly, that is a whole lot of fun. <laughs> um, and we talked to Zach about just how much fun it must have been to do the art because the art is amazing, obviously. Uh, and you will get to see things that you would you didn't know that you really wanted to see. Somebody drop a bear on somebody else. But <laughs> you did. And you will see it. And it's awesome. Um, or face down a plane with a chainsaw. That kind of shit. Like, the he is crazy. Um, and it won, or it didn't win. It was nominated for an Eisner for the very first issue, uh, which was really, like, the whole first story arc is that for, in the first issue, and then they um, built it into a whole trade, which you can pick up now. IDW, just about a month ago, came out with a trade for it. And, of course, it's an IDW trade, so it's beautiful. Yeah, the cover's cover. sweet. It's so good. Um, you just go pick this thing up. You know, it's one little trade. You'll love it. Uh, it's it's just so much fun. And when you finish that first issue, you'll just be like, oh, oh man. You get that last line of that last page, and it's just it kills you. Um, so go pick up the cape. Uh, and I, I should say, this week they also came out with the cape, 1969, say that. which is the first issue. Uh, or actually, it was last week. The first issue of a, a prequel series that they're doing. The art's not by Zach Howard, but it's still really good. Um, so, and and that's uh, it's a story that takes place in in Vietnam with his dad, 
where he's obviously going to get the cape at some point, but at this point he doesn't have it. Um, but it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. And also too, uh, we should say that Zach Howard is a really prolific cover artist. Yeah. Um, he just did a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cover. That's pretty badass. That's right. That, oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's a really rare one. It's one in 25, one wow. in 50, something like that. Yeah. It's really cool. And he did a lot of uh, just random covers. kind of did some research on them a couple weeks he ago. Did, yeah, and he did, uh, he did a, a few issues of an Alien series that they did. Uh, and he did the Shaun of the Dead adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, does a lot of, like godzilla covers and such he's fantastic i love his line work his his line work looks a lot i think like a like a sketchier uh gabriel rodriguez which i think is why joe hill sort of got with him um but yeah he's one of those guys that i don't know why he's not a whole lot bigger than he is he is so cool he doesn't want to be kind of yeah listening to his interview that freelancer sort of freedom he does yeah because he even said that he doesn't want to do a monthly book because he doesn't want to be contained yeah. to a doing it he likes the beginning and the ends of stories he's so cool so you'll get to hear us talk to him very tired a little later on in the podcast yeah so this is kind of cool we were really fortunate when we did denver comic-con a little over a month ago or oh, just about a month long? ago wow um we had the privilege to sit down with four special people um we're gonna do three of the interviews this week. All of the comic book All artists. the comic book artists we're doing this week. And I also want to take this time to tease our next week episode, which is The Dark Knight Rises. And we sat down with the executive producer of Batman for over 30 years. Yeah. Michael Uslin sat down with us exclusively at Denver Comic-Con. He didn't sit down with anybody else. He, he pulled me and Brad into his autograph booth. And we sat down with him and talked to his son. It was awesome. So I wanted to tease that so, you know, to whet people's appetites yeah. for not only The Dark Knight, but our amazing interview with Michael Euston. Well, actually, my interview with him and Brad's one question oh. that I totally put him <laughs> on the spot because we were running out of time. And I was like, hey, Brad, ask him a question about Batman. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh. I was going to say the question, but I'm going to leave it for next week. If yeah, he, the if question he's got is a radio awesome. antenna in one of his ears, what's in the other ear? And In fact, I think Brad asked him a question that was not Batman related. Oh, so stay tuned for that. And if you read his book, The Boy Who Loved Batman, then you will know what Brad is talking about. Yep. And you should read his book, The Boy Who Loved Batman. Anyways, to get to uh, this week's episode, the first (laughs) interview we did at Denver Comic-Con was Rebecca Isaacs. Um, Rebecca illustrates Angel and Faith, which is a great book on Dark Horse. And you introduced me to it. I don't know why I didn't pick it up because I'm such a... A Buffy fan, yeah, but I don't know. It kind of just flew, flew, flew under my radar. Yeah, and you said I think people sort of treated it like it was a spinoff, but it is not. At no, all. not you know, at I all. Mean, it, it takes maybe the most interesting fallout out of the end of season eight, and yep. and makes a whole story out of it. Hey guys, fantastic. I've never watched Buffy before. You guys talking about a Christian book? <laughs> a what? What's Angel and Faith to Angel, those who are not reading the book? It's Angel and Faith from from Buffy. the Buffy universe, and they were off. Um, Trying to resurrect a certain character who may or may not have died at the end of season eight. Uh, and it's just what they're dealing with. And the fact that they're dealing with it in a world without magic is just so cool. Um, well, I mean, we can spoil it. We, we, yeah, we're we, actually, do, we, we do spoil it when spoil we talk to George's Jaunty. Yeah, exactly. Um, basically, Angel and Faith is a comic book. At the end of season eight in Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic books, Angel kills Giles. Giles is the father figure to Buffy and is kind of the voice of reason throughout all of Buffy. Yeah. Um, 
Angel was possessed, I guess. Sort of. Sort I of. I don't know. It's, it's really confusing, but he was basically a bad guy named Twilight, which he really wasn't Twilight, but he was Twilight. Yeah. Uh, and he killed Giles. Um, at the end, too, they also get rid of all magic, so vampires live in the open, and there's... Uh, and they're crazy because they don't have demons in Yeah, them. they're crazy because they don't have and demons. And Drusilla um, shows up, and, and she's sane. No, yeah. Oh, gosh, it's so um, good. If you're a Buffy um, fan, you know what we're talking about. Here's Sorry the thing. If, if you're a Buffy fan, and you're like, if you're tuning into this because you saw George's Jaunty's name, and you're like, oh, I got to see this because I love that book, if you're not reading Angel and Faith, you are missing half of the Buffy story. Exactly. I mean, it's amazing. You have to go get this book. Because period. it also deals with interesting questions where why did Giles leave Faith all his um, yeah. money and his house? And... At, at the, at, I mean, I talk about this with George's as well. The core of this book is Giles, like the heart. Exactly, the heart of Buffy is the heart of Angel and Faith because it's dead in the Buffy book. Um, so it, you, 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 and it's, and it's up to Rebecca Isaacs to illustrate it. Exactly, it there's a lot of weight on this, and the pages are gr- like the writing is great. The pages have to be just as good. And, and I will say that uh, Rebecca has become one of my favorite artists. Just because I love her line work, she uses really thick lines yeah. to illustrate. Um, and I was showing James issue number ten is eleven. It's eleven because it's, it's eleven. Storyline. It's, um, that's one of the best covers I've her, seen on this book. She just draws so well, and it was so nice to meet her. And she's really funny, and she's really cute. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, sit back and enjoy the real nerds with the talented Rebecca Isaacs. Hi, I am Ryan of Real Nerds. I am with James. Hi. And we are with someone very special. We're with Rebecca Isaacs, who is an amazing artist on Angel and Faith. Didn't I recently call that my favorite ongoing series? You did. Uh, Right now. You did. And that's why it's a really big honor that we have her here. This is crazy. And James introduced me to the book, and it's fantastic. He was a big Buffy fan, but not reading Angel and Faith. And we're going, exactly. What are you missing? He smacked me upside the head. And James is here, and he was really excited to have you on the show, and we're very excited. And James well, has prepared a lot of questions, me. and they're, he's a huge fan. They're uh, professionally scrawled out on this note that I have. Uh, on this note. So I'm anyway. going to shut up. Very I'm going to let James talk and Rebecca talk. Thank you so much for being on our yeah, show. Thank you so much. Thanks Thanks amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming to Denver. It is so great to have people. You know, Usually people treat us so much like a, like a flyover state. <laughs> it's cool to have, like, a con here and some real people come here that we can be excited about. Uh, I, I want to start off with a hard-hitting question. Mm-hmm. How do you get a cat named Fantastic Donut? Uh, you write a bunch of your favorite things on strips of paper and throw them in a hat and then randomly select them. <laughs> My fiance ch- kind of cheated because it was supposed to be all nouns. Yeah, so like, but obviously there was at least one adjective in there. Yeah, he put fantastic in, so but I let it slide because yeah. it sounded so great. Um, yeah. Some of the, the other ones, we actually chose three and then picked our favorite out of the right. three I, one of the others was um tom brady jeff goldblum <laughs> and oh. <laughs> that was just a little too clunky and yeah. uh and the other one was um how how uh, family friendly is this podcast oh you're, it's on the internet <laughs> you say whatever you want we're explicit <laughs> yeah. the other one was japan boner <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's hard to that's the thing though Anytime that cat does anything wrong, I can't imagine it's it's very easy to yell at them for it. Uh, especially the Jeff Goldblum one. I, how do you say that and not laugh? Uh, yeah, I mean, like most animals, when we're when we're actually talking to her, it's just cat. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, cat! Stop it, cat! Yeah, and you always have like you know the the goofy voices. I always talk to my dog Goofy, and 
I don't even call him by his full name. So, yeah, but that, that was awesome. That's the funniest thing I've read today. Fantastic <laughs> so donut. I'm so glad. I, I, I thought it was going to be a dumb question. Anyway, <laughs> I'm so, this is the proudest I've been all week. Um, uh, the, the, the big thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, and we're going to talk to George Jaunty later, um, you came onto a book that the, the whole, like, Buffy verse, especially after he started season eight, um, has, I think, a, a particular style. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and looking at your art before you were on that book and after, I mean, it is still definitely you, mm-hmm. but I, I think when you, when you start having to draw those characters and you start having to have it fit into that universe, what kind of stuff did you pay attention to? Were there specific things that you saw him doing that you felt like you needed to try and, and get in there? Um, yeah, a, a little bit. I definitely took some cues from George's and how he represented certain characters. Yeah. Um, I, I'd seen his sketchbooks before, the sketchbooks that he puts together with all of his um, preparation materials and, and uh, all the different likeness tryouts that he had to do. And so that helped a lot just to get an idea of how to represent the features of the actors yeah. in a cartoony way, but in a way that still made, you know, conveyed their likeness. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the reasons I, I was probably hired for it is because we do have some we have some uh, style similarities already. Like Scott Alley was saying that he really liked how um, how we represent the planes of the face with uh, we kind of draw these funny little lines on our noses to show where the the planes change. Yeah. Like where you know like the top part of the nose changes to the bottom part of the nose, and so and he said you know George just does that a lot too. So I think that. Uh, we already had kind of similar styles. Right, absolutely. Yeah. It just like when I look at the two, I think it, it, it's it shows how versatile you can be and that mm. you can sort of adapt to that. Yeah. It was really cool. Do you mind like, if I Oh I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, oh. no, that's okay. <laughs> can I ask a really quick follow up question? Mm-hmm. Is it true you have to uh, get the actors to sign off on a likeness? And is it re- yes. a hard process or are they really collaborative or how do they go about doing that? Um, or is it their agents that sign yeah. off on it? And if you're comfortable, has anybody not signed off on one of yours? Oh, well. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, yeah, I, I, I can't really talk about ones that I haven't been signed off on. Right. Um, but, yeah, it can be a difficult process. It depends on, on the actor. Um, right. Some are very relaxed about it. I think they're just like... Yeah, what are you guys doing? Yeah. You know, this is to me. It'd be cool that you're in a silly. comic book, but, but. Um, yeah, I know, right? But um, but some are uh, are very particular, right. um, and uh, I, you know, I can't name names, but uh, right. But yeah, I I've gotten pretty lucky, I think, though, uh, with ninety nine percent of the likenesses, it's been a really easy process, um, and uh, but we just do one portrait, uh, kind of like. Um, like a pinup almost of them and they sign off on that but they don't have to approve it throughout the series they don't have to look at every page and and oh so once you're approved that's it once they approve that one then you can Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter after that yeah yeah. it's not like every book has to sit on a shelf for a week and wait for seven people to sign off and say you know yeah yeah. (laughs) um Cool. I, I feel like uh, we talk so often in comics about what people are doing next. And I would like to hear some of your breaking in story. Like, when when did you first get into comics, and and what was the thing that was it was it Miss Marvel or was it Deviate where you were like, okay, this is really going somewhere. This is somewhere I can I can really flourish. Um, so w- oh. when, when when were you first into <laughs> comics? Um, I didn't really get into comics until I started going to college for it, actually. I wanted to get into animation when I was younger, and I, excuse me, I did, um, 
I did an animation workshop in um, in middle school, and I kind of I started to realize then that it wasn't really gonna be for me um, because it, th there's so much repetition involved in it, and I felt like it took all the fun out of storytelling. Um, and by the time I got to uh, college age, I I think I really realized that I want to do something else that's similar but just uses different techniques and it gives me more power more control over the story um, and I went to uh, I went to like a summer program at Savannah College of Art and Design in between high school and college and I figured I'd try out the sequential art program just on like a trial basis during that summer and I loved it so from then on that was all I wanted to do very cool very cool when uh, you draw is it like when I draw I like to draw like figures and mm -hmm. stuff but I find it really hard to draw couches and bookshelves uh -huh. <laughs> is that a hard part to draw i've always wanted to ask an actual comic book artist that because you know the the figures are the fun part yeah. when you're drawing backgrounds and things like that that to me that seems really hard too with the scale and making sure everything matches and oh yeah that's the toughest part is just getting it all to um fit into the perspective grid and mm -hmm. and um and line up with with everything else um like drawing the actual shapes of the furniture isn't that difficult. It's a, a lot of Google image searching and yeah. and looking through catalogs and stuff. But yeah, backgrounds are pretty pretty challenging. They're a big pain in the butt. That's why I think you'll find that most of us try to avoid them at all costs. <laughs> we'll just do one panel with a background, and then the rest will be, you know, it, really really low angle, so all you can see is the ceiling or something. You know? <laughs> but at the same time, it brings so much because like one of my favorite panels of yours is. In, uh, it, it, it's in that first issue when there's the, like the girl with all the tentacles and stuff coming mm. out of her. You, yeah, obviously you know the art. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that like the, that room is so full that it feels like you're in somebody's living room. Oh, thank you. Uh, that if if none of that was there, if it were just like, hey, there's this girl with tentacles, I'd be like, ah. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> it's good tentacles, but. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah I, I'm really obsessed with that kind of stuff. I, um, my my parents and my grandparents are. Uh, into uh, antiques. I mean, like my my grandparents own an antique store, and so I was always around and all these different styles of furniture and yeah. And um, I I really I pay a lot of attention to that when I go into a house and and it just it just says so much about the people who live there. So oh, absolutely. And that was supposed to be like a kind of a poor working class single mother and her child. So you know it needed to be a little a little ratty, like you know, kind of secondhand looking stuff and and um, you. You can, you don't even have to describe that in the script if you do the backgrounds right. Yeah, the reader can tell that just by looking at the at the environment. So, so uh, but what was the what was the thing that like you you got hired for a book and that was the time where you were like, okay, this is clearly going to work out. Like, they like me. When when did you have that Sally Field moment? <laughs> or maybe you haven't. Yeah, maybe you don't I, I know how like much I'm we love waiting you. For that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you met Joss Whedon? I haven't, no. Oh, okay. All right, maybe you haven't had that moment yet yeah. then. All right. I, <laughs> I, I thought that was a clue in, of a, a shoe in of like, oh, well, if you've met Joss Whedon, then clearly you're there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a really nice email from him um, saying that he, he really liked the art on Angel and Faith and and um, and uh, that he was really happy with the series. So, cool. so that awesome. was great. Um, but uh, I, I guess I kind of felt like that with DV8, though, because that was really big to work with Brian Wood on my second mainstream project, you yeah. know? Yeah, so absolutely. I, I either, I alternated between just feeling like I had somehow gotten really lucky and I didn't, I didn't deserve it somehow <laughs> to being like, you know, wow, this is it. This, I, I'm, I'm actually on the right, 
path. So cool, very cool. Is is comics the only thing you do now, or do you have a second job? Uh, yeah, just comics. Oh wow, mm-hmm. wow! Congratulations, good for you. <laughs> I, I always feel like that's harder for artists because you know writers. Somebody like Robert Kirkman. I don't mean to throw him under the bus. Robert Kirkman can write a, a handful of, yeah. of scripts in a week. But the art takes so much time that yeah. that being able to actually be that uh, uh, self-sufficient is, is a big deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily we do get paid more than writers, so that yeah. that helps a lot. But um, I also ink my own stuff, so that's supplementary income as well. Cool. So um, I don't know how I would have time to do anything else, so I'm glad <laughs> that it does pay the bills. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you've got Magus and H2Awesome over there on your booth. Mm-hmm. T- talk a little about uh, about what Magus is and how people can find it. Uh, Magus is a fantasy series that my fiance John Price wrote and cool. uh, with his friend uh, Dave Norton, and I drew. Um, it was published by 12 Gauge Comics. It came out about a year ago, I think. Um, but it's about... It's about what, uh, what happens when everyone in the world wakes up and everyone is able to use magic. And no one knows where it came from. No one knows how to use it. So it's just utter chaos. Um, and uh, it's, it's based on this idea that magic existed thousands and thousands of years ago. But that uh, this group of, of high mages deemed it too dangerous. So they locked it away. They locked away the source of magic. And it bro- busted open, but no one knows how that seal broke. So, um, and obviously we find out through the course of the series. But, um, yeah, it is, you can find it at a lot of comic book stores. It was distributed through Diamond. Cool. Um, but it would be back issues by now, yeah. obviously. And, uh, but it's also available on Graphically, the digital oh, cool. reader. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, you can read the first issue for free online, oh, actually. Neat. Because yeah. you only have three, four, and five over there. So somewhere I'll have to find two then. Yeah. <laughs> um, and next week you're going to be Sold in Chicago. Out. What's the deal with that? You're going to be in a gallery? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Challengers Comics in Chicago has uh, an art gallery called Rogues, uh, the Rogues Gallery, that's adjacent to it. And every month they do a different artist, uh, a showcase of their original art on the walls. And they have an exclusive print made up, and there's beer and wine. And, and so the reception for that will be this uh, next Friday. Very cool. Th- this Friday, right? Very yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm so confused. I don't yeah. know where I am. Uh, no, we, <laughs> we hear Friday you. Because, you know, the weekend's it, uh, today. It's only Saturday, but this con has been a, a, like a, a week and a half long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan, do you have any more questions before I do my last one? Uh, no, I just, uh, again, uh, before you do the last one, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, the book is amazing. And, you know, your writer, uh, Christos Gage, wrote Spider-Man, oh. and I love Spider-Man. Yeah. So uh, that was another reason I picked up the book. First, it was the art, and then I recognized the writer. Yeah, how, was, had you read Buffy comics? before oh yeah okay oh yeah that was the other thing i forgot to ask you was were you into buffy before you got onto this book uh i actually wasn't really i had started watching season one uh because my fiance is a huge buffy fan ah. he was always trying to get me to watch it but <laughs> you probably my wife know. to watch it oh really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you probably know it's kind of difficult to get people to get back season I, one. <laughs> I usually tell people to start at season two yeah <laughs> I mean, now I love it, going back and rewatching it, because you know right. the characters, you already love them, so mm. you get what the writers were trying to do. And you know where it's going, so you can give it leeway, when you're like, ah, yeah. the computer's <laughs> turned into a robot. Right. Ah, <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah. But I was having a lot of difficulty getting into it. Um, I think I was maybe halfway through, and uh, halfway through season one. And But when I, I got the uh, chance to audition for the, the book, that then I, I started watching them you know, like four or five episodes a day. And I, I finished them up before I started on the series, so. 
but now I love them. <laughs> you just you just brought another one to me. You audition for books. For some reason, I always had this idea that, like, you know, you guys were out there, and if you got seen enough, like, Joss Whedon would call you on the phone and say, well, I guess that's what, what happened to George's. But, like, he would, you would, you just got picked based on what you've done. But you, you yeah. actually auditioned for the book. Well, it, typically, what the situation you described, that's typically the case. Um, but with a book like this, um, and I'm not sure what they did for Buffy. I think that Joss had just seen George's yeah. stuff and just I really so. wanted to work with him. But... Um, but with this, um, I think because of the likeness element, right. um, they they tried out with several people. Um, I think a few artists that had worked a lot with Dark Horse in the past. Um, I hadn't I hadn't worked with them before, so I was I just knew them through I, I knew Sierra through DC. Cool. Um, but uh, yeah, there I don't know exactly how many, but I know that there there were multiple artists that they were trying out for it. Yeah, and that, that makes sense because yeah, you can look at somebody's stuff and say they they are clearly good, the best. but oh yeah, <laughs> I hope so. I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> if um, I can live up to that. <laughs> do you read comics at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not as much as I I would like to, but um, what are you I, reading now? What's the stuff you really love? What I haven't read very much lately. I was really into Lock and Key, uh, and I think oh my gosh, I, <laughs> his favorite, second favorite. Oh book. really? Well, oh well, no 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 no. See, you've revealed because I keep saying it's my favorite ongoing mm-hmm. Lock and Key is limited series. Right. Lock yeah. and Key is the first thing I read on the stack. Yeah. Angel and Faith is right second. Um, I I love Lock and Key. It's so great. I yeah. I think I might be a couple issues behind though because I lost track you of when they were coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What are they up to now? Uh, they just finished Clockworks. Okay. Um, I, so I the, last the whole like backstory is done, okay. and then I don't know when the new series starts. I think it's late July. Okay. But then there is there's a one shot called Grindhouse coming out in August mm-hmm. that you should definitely check out. The cover looks amazing. It's set in like the Depression era. Yeah. Oh man, oh. it's one of the because man his art every every yeah. time that that cover comes out, I'm just like, oh, this is just just, just beautiful. Yeah. Um, he's a master of detail. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I have to imagine it takes him forever to do those pages. But um, is there anything else that you're reading? Um, yeah, I, that's all I've been reading lately. Um, I've read I, I've read most of Vertigo stuff, you know, in like back issues. Yeah. Because I got I, like I said, I got into comics really, really late. So, but I started out reading Transmed and Preacher, and um, yeah, I don't I haven't really read much lately though. I've been trying to get back into reading book books because I, 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 I like hadn't read a book in five years <laughs> i know i know like, that feeling I should probably get back into this so my brain doesn't start to atrophy or something i was an english major so it was my job to read books but i was not doing that and reading comics instead yeah and I, thought, I, I feel like i'm i'm misprioritizing here but yeah i know it happens it just gets so easy yeah and it and um uh drawing too for a living you get so little time to yeah, ever sit down oh, and sure. read anything it's just tv shows all the time and you can't because you can't my brain melting on my ears you can't get, you can't get audiobooks of a comic book that wouldn't yeah 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 cool well thank you so much for coming by rebecca this was really great uh, oh, it was an honor you. to have you here and again thank you for coming to denver uh hopefully we will see you again next oh, year oh yeah we will definitely um, be here next year oh very awesome. cool very cool thank you <laughs> thank so much you. thank you i appreciate it what? Oh, oh, yeah, Ilya, is there anything else you want to promote while you're here before we take oh, off? Oh, um, you know, actually, no. Oh, okay, because we talked about mages. <laughs> cool. All right. Oh, well, actually, is there one, anything? one thing, the very, very tiny thing. I just joined a sketch blog with a bunch of really amazing artists, including Sarah Pacelli and uh, wow. Ryan, oh. Ryan Stegman occasionally. Spider-Man right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. 
my, my friend Tony Chastain um, uh, submits to it a lot. It's called Ashcan All Stars, uh, and there's a Tumblr and a Blogspot blog. Cool. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter too. It's just Ashcan All Stars. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. we'll have to do that. We yeah, we do a lot of cool themes. We just got finished with an alien theme and then a breakfast cereal characters theme. And so oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. Have you talked to, check to out. Have you talked to Zach Howard? A couple of booths down from you yeah, about aliens because yeah. he did aliens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, I wouldn't want to show him what I did. He, <laughs> I would be too embarrassed. <laughs> no, no, no. He'd be fine. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. He um, awesome. Shoot. I just had another question and I forgot it. Uh, Anyway, thank you so much, Rebecca. Yeah. Oh, it, thank it was you. really great. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you so much. That was fun. Yeah. You know, what was really cool is I I think I I don't know if I think I did tell this story on the earlier podcast we did the Ever Comic Con one. But I'm gonna tell it again because we just talked to her um yeah. a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> we we got there early, um, the day of the Comic Con and we didn't know what we were doing and we couldn't find anybody, but in the process of going to find somebody, me and James split up i went to look for the death of gwen stacy <laughs> because there was no one there to bother me yeah. and james i don't know where he went until we met we didn't meet back at real nerds we met kind of in the middle of the con yeah and james comes up to me and he does this uh <laughs> i love james and he does this thing when he's excited he's like oh my god oh my god oh my god there's some hopping and some like waving yeah. of hands and i said james what the hell are you doing he <laughs> says i just talked to rebecca isaac and she said she'll be on our show I said, wait, what? <laughs> and so he's like, no, come meet her. And I said, okay. So before the con started, me and James then went to Rebecca Isaac's table. She was there and she said, oh my gosh, I would love to be on your show. Thank you guys so much for liking my art. Couldn't be nicer. Oh, the so nicest great. lady. And while we were there, right next to her was Georges Jaunty, who illustrates <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Doing nothing, just hanging out. Just hanging out. his table, you know, being cool. And so we kind of just stepped to the left. I <laughs> said, Rebecca, we can't wait to sit down and talk to you. And so we talked to George's and we found out his name is pronounced George's Jaunty, which we <laughs> yeah. were always really concerned about. Yeah. And I made sure too, when we were on the podcast, I said, make sure I pronounced it right. Um, and again, could not be a nicer guy. And you know, I, here's like, I kept thinking like, well, nobody's going to want to come to our booth and do it. Like we're going to have to do a mobile thing and try and figure out how to get a laptop working over there. And you know, it's going to be a hassle and that sound is good. And everybody didn't even skip a beat. They were just like, yeah, no, nope. I can come over there. Not a big problem at all. I was, they, they were just so nice. Like they were gracious people. They could be. And I mean, the story with George's John T too, is we had him scheduled for Saturday at three. Yeah. But it, conflicted with us doing michael uslin yeah um so so I, I went over and had to tell him like can we push it back and then he had a panel and then we i went over and had to say like can we push it back again i felt like such a jerk and he never nope didn't even hesitate and he was like well do you want to come in sunday morning like when you come in sunday can we do it like at nine thirty on sunday before the con actually starts and i was like yes and so he made a point like he got there a little bit early yep. and came over to the table and we did it and it was quiet it was so And it was great. awesome. And what's really cool with him is um, he sat down and he just started talking to us. We didn't ask him questions. He literally just sat down and started talking. Yeah. Um, we even didn't have an intro for the first couple minutes of the interview. Because it was just so comfortable. Because it was so comfortable. And he was such a nice guy. And, I mean, to be gracious, I mean, we're, we're nobody. Yeah. And, I mean, he, he said, you know what? I'll make time for you guys, which yeah. meant a lot. And everybody who did interviews with us did this. Um, but George's draws Buffy. He drew season eight and nine. He and he does great work. Um, I said this to somebody at his table, but I didn't say it in the interview. He he really redefined what 
Absolutely. Art, Buffy art should look like. Absolutely. Uh, and if anybody else ever does this book or went on on issues that somebody else does, you can you just kind of tell. And you can tell that like they're trying to pick up his style. It is. Um, and you know, you mentioned in the Rebecca interview if he, she had to pick up what he already drew, and she said, "Well, you know, we kind of had a similar style, so I'm sure that's how it helped me get the job." Yeah. So he's defined the last yeah. four years of Buffy in comic books. So and Buffy's only in comic books, so exactly. he's defined the he's look of Buffy, Buffy for the last yeah. four years. So please, uh, again. Sit back, relax, enjoy our interview with George's Jaunty. So cool. Um, right. I'm going to do a proper introduction Absolutely. because we forgot to. Or well, we started well, talking we just, you know, it was oh, yeah, so we've comfortable. Been here for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. It's really comfortable. Well, this is Real Nerds. I am Ryan. This is James. And we are honored to have George's Jaunty. Correct? Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, Good. sure. Uh, he is the artist of Buffy the Vampire Slayer season eight and nine now. And nine. Yeah. And it's really cool. It's cool to have you because me and James are huge fans. And Absolutely. to have you on oh, nice. here is an honor. So we Thank really you. appreciate it. You were sort of like, you were that big name here that I was like, if we could get him, man, that would be so cool. Oh, so yeah. uh, I'm you sure know. all of this is recycled from Thank Rebecca you. Isaacs. No, it's <laughs> not. No, 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 no. no, no. There was a completely different love for Rebecca <laughs> Isaacs. Um, yeah, she's a lot cuter than I am. <laughs> I'll give you that. I, uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the thing with uh, that, though, is the Angel and Faith book took us by surprise yeah. about how good it was, where your book, we kind of It's just consistent it at this good. point. Like, and it's always good. Funny enough, well, obviously, before all of this ever got started, and we were still doing season eight, I was I was talking to Joss. <sighs> um, he called me Sorry. up. Um, I, I don't even know. I, called, I probably called him because I remember I was at lunch, and... It's one of those things. My phone rang, and I'm like, uh, "Oh snap! It's Joss. Maybe I should take this." <laughs> and uh, and he's like, "Yeah, I just wanted to call. You know, you call. I'm sorry, I couldn't get back to you. I was just calling you back." Um, and because I I just had mentioned to him, "Hey, you know, we're coming towards the end of season eight, and I'm just wanted to get a feel for you, what your plans were, mm-hmm. you know, what your future plans and all that with the comic stuff are. So whenever, give me a call. Uh, hey, hope things are well." Um, <laughs> And then he does, and, and he was like, well, you know, are, are you planning on coming back? And I was like, well, <laughs> are, you? are you planning on coming back? Because <laughs> me coming back is really hinged on you coming back. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll come back if you come back. <laughs> like, wow. Um, I think you would have been doing this regardless of yeah. <laughs> my involvement. Um, and I can't remember where I was going with this. Um, Were you? Oh, oh, right. Uh, well, he because I just had said, well, I'd heard that there was going to be an angel that we're getting the uh, franchise back from IDW, oh. and he's like, yeah, 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 we're going to do that, and we're going to sort of make it more cohesive. And um, but he didn't really have a plan for the angel book. He knew kind of where he wanted to go with Buffy, and and when I tell the story, I, I don't want it to seem like, oh, well, you know, I gave him the idea and he just <laughs> ran with it because that's not the case. Uh, but as we were talking, he was like, yeah, I really don't know what I want to do, where I want to go, or, you know, a, a lot of the specifics about it. And and I was like, oh, because I was still reeling over this whole Giles death. Thing. Oh, and I was gosh. like, oh, yeah. it, it, you have to involve that in some way, because you can't just have Angel have killed, you know, spoilers, yeah. so I'm sure you guys... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't have Angel just have killed Giles and let that be the case. And he's like, well, no, you know, Buffy is extreme. She can't even be with him. And, and in, a, in a weird way, that's what... Um, initiates Angel and Faith because oh, yeah. essentially Buffy's has sent him away. Like I can't even look at you. I can't talk to you. For all intents and purposes, you killed my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, and all that. And that's um, that's why there's a, a a page or two in the last issue of season eight. I want to say where Faith and Buffy are talking and. 
the last panel of that is is a close up of um, Angel, and there's like cuts and bruises on his face, and you can only assume what happened, but there is a reason why that's the case and why oh, he's wow. almost catatonic, which I'm assuming will will be dealt with uh, in future issues of Angel, but. Because of that, you know, he goes off into his own book, and obviously Faith now is, is rich, and she can do what she wants. And and he was like, yeah, I just don't know where to, where to go. And I said, well, hey, you, you really need to do it. And he's like, yeah, maybe Angel tries to redeem himself by getting thinking he can bring Giles back. And I'm like, that's brilliant. Do it. Yes. That is that is the most amazing thing because well, that that's what I love about that book is that Giles, which was so much the heart of Buffy, mm-hmm. is still the, even though he's dead, he is the he is he's so the centerpiece of Angel and Faith. So um, much so where I told him, you know what, that sounds great. I would love to do that book. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, oh, so you, so you don't want to do Buffy then? <laughs> I was like, well, no, I'm I'm just saying. Uh, well, where would you rather have me? He's like, yeah. well, I mean, you do what you want, but yeah, I'd rather have you with Buffy over yeah. there. <laughs> I was like, okay, but I knew. Somewhere in the back of my head, if this was pulled off right, this would be done very, very well. Oh, man. Christos Gage, obviously, who's the writer. He's just been killing it. It's just really, and it's surprising me because I wasn't as familiar with his work. And I think a lot of the problems, people coming over to the Wheaton or the Buffy universe, whatever you want to call it, is finding the language to these characters, which, you know, after seven years, you all know. You may not be able to write it yourself, but you know what they sound like. Very few people can write it. (laughs) And I thought with with very few exceptions, we had a lot of the writers from the TV show coming and doing the book. And uh, Brian K. Vaughn, who wasn't one of the writers, I thought really came in and and nailed the the dialogue, as well as Christos now, is really nailing the the sound uh, of Buffy. And... um, yeah, I was. I was just. I, I was kicking myself, thinking, "God, I can't do two books a month." <laughs> ah, I can't do two books a month. And I thought, "Man, that's an ego." <laughs> like, yeah. hey, another book, and I'll do that one too. Sure, I'll and, run the whole universe. And it's funny because uh, Faith was always a character that never quite connected with me on the show. Like, it just, really, it never. I don't know what it is. It she was connected just, me in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but when when Brian Kavon came on the book, uh, um, his his arc was the one that broke that character open for me and then christoph cage christoph cage just is amazing what was it like to work with brian k vaughn is oh, where i'm going great he i mean was... were you working really close with him or um yeah 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 i, I you know i i usually like to I'm, I'm a very hands-on artist and and when i read the script i usually like to talk to the writer to yeah. just say well let me get your thoughts where where were you feeling emotionally because you can write something down but just like sarcasm especially yeah. in texting you oh, really yeah, yeah, can't yeah. tell <laughs> Was this meant this way or was this meant this way? So I really like to talk to the writers whenever possible. What was your intent? Where were you going? So I know how to illustrate yeah. that sort of thing. And same with Brian. And, uh, yeah, he came in. He's like, yeah, I love the, the universe. And he's, he's like, I love the, the Faith stuff because Faith is from, oh, God, and all these trivia, no prizes here. Um, <laughs> she's from uh, someplace in Ohio or, or Baltimore oh, or ooh. where uh, the yeah, character Faith Lehane is from is where Brian K. Vaughn was is from. He's like, yeah, I grew up there. So that's where the book actually opens, where she's where she's from. Um, and a little known fact, that storyline was supposed to be the video game originally, but oh. never really got off the ground. Wow. Whereas somebody, Faith or Buffy, depending on what the video game would do, was hunting other slayers because they've gone rogue. Right. And it never came about, but they shoehorned it into... Um, into season eight along with there was a um a sort of a 
cartoony issue uh, with uh, Mark Wade, I want to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was an unfinished script for the cartoon, the proposed cartoon oh, that yeah, never yeah. Went, got oh, off the wow. ground either. So huh. they were sort of recycling all of these things they were going to do with Buffy and just bringing them over into the comic book. But Brian Kay, I thought, was really, really yeah. great. And he, I, I, I can only assume he was, he was happy with me because he's like, so what are you doing after this? Are you going to stay with Buffy? <laughs> we could definitely do something. Ooh, I, was like, and it's, I will keep your number, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now's the same. He's, he's back in comics again. Now's your chance. That would be too cool. I know. Yeah, he uh, was just at that point going off and writing. Yeah, doing uh, Lost and all that. scripts and yeah. Yeah, doing Lost stuff. So. Uh, that's too cool. Yeah. What was it like? So you, you were handpicked by Joss to do... <laughs> Buffy, correct? That makes me sound so much better than it actually is. Um, <laughs> I will say, and I, I guess I, I, I'm so self-deprecating, I can't ever really give myself a compliment. <laughs> I will say I was on a list of people that Joss put together and yeah. said, if we can get any of these guys, I would be really happy. Yeah. I don't know where on that list I was or how far down they had to go right. until they got to me. But yes, he, uh, he knew my work. I want, you know, obviously, because Joss is a big comic book fan. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to say either from Gambit or from Bishop from Marvel, because I know he was more right. of a Marvel fan growing oh, yeah. up than a, than a DC fan. And he's, I mean, impressed the hell out of me. He's like, no, I remembered your stuff, and I thought when it came, I don't know how he would think Bishop and Buffy could ever be correlated. <laughs> that guy would be great for this book. Yeah. So that was, yeah, I was handpicked by Joss Whedon. Yeah. And when, well, when that happened, because we talked yesterday to Rebecca Isaacs about how when she came onto the book, uh, what she has to go through in order to, um, to turn those actors into those characters and, like, and uh, the, the process of, of, of getting them approved by the mm-hmm. actors and all of that. How long was that process? Was it, was it hard? Um, no, well, I mean, and, and I, I hate to, to rip down the curtain and show the guy behind the curtain and yeah. doing all of the uh, mechanics there, but it's, it's an approval process, yes. Did I believe for one minute that Sarah Michelle Geller was actually looking at something I drew and said, oh. I don't know if this guy's right. Let's see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I more akin it to uh, an office at 20th Century Fox. And uh-huh. whoever that licensing manager is, he looks at it and says, okay, yeah, this is approved. This isn't approved. I know all of the actors on the TV show, they have signed a contract that said something about merchandise rights and mm-hmm. likenesses. Whatever they did, whether it be action figures or you know toys, whatever, comic books fell under that umbrella as well. So they signed off on that already. Oh. And with the comic books getting the license, likeness rights approved, it's more of a thing. I guess they really just want to see that you don't draw her with a third eye or something. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, just something so far off the mark where you're like, did we approve this, really? Yeah. Like Don with the half horse body? Or- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That comes later. <laughs> that having been said, once they approve you, you're good to go. You're good. They, it's funny. They can't ever say anything again. So I can ideally draw Sarah Michelle, you know, any way I, beautiful, but then, God, give her a, a black eye the whole time yeah. uh, once I've been approved because, right. yeah, they can't really say anything. And... This was the first time in season eight that Joss was actually involved, funny enough, in the, in the comic books. Right. Because he had only ever really done Frey mm-hmm. and then a, ta- a story in Tales of the Slayer. But he'd actually never been involved in the comics. And Dark Horse had already been publishing it uh, for, I don't know, five, six years at that point. And from there, I assume that, well, they figured if Joss is involved, 
I think he'll know enough to go, well, this is right and this isn't yeah. right. So they, they were very lenient, I feel, with me. Oh, okay. But I did have to go through an approval process, yes. I heard you talk to somebody yesterday about the fact that, uh, you know, because Buffy is a very iconic character, a, mm-hmm. a feminist symbol for sure at this point. Very and somebody much. said something about making her boobs bigger and you made a point about like, <laughs> no, 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 there were specific things that they told you like that was, and that was one of them that yeah. you couldn't do. Is there anything else that yeah. they were like, hey, don't. Don't mess with this. In, in, in terms of that statement, I think she was, the, the woman who said that was assumed that I th- once Buffy was turned into a comic book, her breasts would automatically get right. bigger. Which is a horrible and stigma yeah, of comics. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. And no, that was, that was Joss's thing. Well, Joss is always like that. And, but he was, he's, if he's anything, he's about diversity. And, yeah. Because he'd said, all right, when you draw, the, I don't want them all to be perfect. You know, there are some heavy girls. There are some obviously black, Asian, Latino, whatever, you know, we're putting in there. There is a diverse group of, of things and women in there. Yeah. So don't stay idealistic. Um, yeah, I'm a very big believer in, well, if this is what the character looks like, why would you change? Right, where Buffy wouldn't have gotten a boob job done no. <laughs> yeah. in, in between season seven and eight. Yeah. So I tried to keep her as very much the same character as she was on television uh were you into buffy beforehand like were you into the show and all of that no i was like you like you said she's such an icon i was aware of her from pop culture i'd never seen an episode to be honest well i I saw one episode when it was in the run and that was the john ritter episode and i only (laughs) saw that because i was a john (laughs) ritter fan oh man A horrible so, way to introduce to the get introduced <laughs> to the show, though. Probably, yeah, not one of the better episodes. Yeah. But I was like, oh, okay, okay, whatever, you know, yeah, doesn't really do it for me. But hey, whatever. I, the funny thing there too, I've never seen Xena. Uh, oh yeah, the warrior princess either. So, um, but that 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 episode does actually kind of make sense because where I was going was that part of what I think makes your art so perfect for the book is that you are. Your style is perfect for balancing the humor and the action and the drama all together really well, especially the facial features. Um, and I, I, I just thought I, w- I assumed that you had seen the show and knew it so well oh. because you, you, you translate that so well. Well, once they gave me the gig, they sent me uh, season six and seven. Oh, okay. So my introduction to Buffy actually is season Was six, where she's actually <laughs> reborn in, yeah. in a weird way, and then. Uh, going on through season seven, so I, I wasn't really aware of any of the other stuff. So a lot of it's funny because those first few issues of Buffy that I drew, had I to do it over again, I would have done it a little better, I think, because there's all of these little nuances I could have stuck in that I just was not aware of. Yeah, because I was really starting to draw the book before I was fully uh, immersed into the universe. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't really as versed with that. But I quickly got there. On my own, I went out and got seasons one through five and just, you know, had a, a huge marathon. And <laughs> Too cool. And then Angel and, yeah. and then all the other stuff. Do you have any more Angel questions or Buffy questions before I move on? Uh, no. I mean, you pretty much cover this. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Um, okay. No spoilers then. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So what's happening in the future? What's going hey, on? Hey, no, 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 no. I, the facial expressions, you know, when Buffy's dreaming about having sex with Spike while she's talking to him on his <laughs> ship. I love that whole, like, interplay with him. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it, it is. Well, I'm no Kevin Maguire, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I try to, I, I mean, I, I, was, I, I went into acting a little bit in college, so I try to have the characters act. And, and, and when you do take acting, they tell you, you know, always have a prop or always try to have the character do something 
and not just stand there per se. Oh, yeah. So it, it's been a conscious effort of mine to, like you mentioned that scene, like Buffy's drying her hair as yeah, she's yeah. doing something or, or, you know, doing just something that might not necessarily be in the script, but as an actor you're kind of like well what what's my motivation here what yeah. am i doing what, where, what can i do in this piece so I'll, I'll try to do that more often than not yeah um when you were into comics as a kid correct yeah sure pretty young yeah. always still into comics uh, <laughs> i'm at the store every wednesday anybody <laughs> wants to come by <laughs> yeah i might just drive across the, uh, the country to do that that come sounds down amazing LA. <laughs> at the comic shop so tell me about daredevil 183 i've never read it why is that issue important One to you? Um, and Frank, I know Frank, Ma- Frank Miller's yeah. Daredevil yeah, yeah. 183. Um, why the 183? Oh, because know. that was the first Daredevil I picked. Is that what you read? I, I believe yeah, so, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Well, you did do your homework. <laughs> um, I don't know I when s- I had time. That's a long, boring but story. You don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at least uh, some maybe. idea of where, like, how did they connect to you? How, why were they so important to you as a kid? Maybe and more how did a, you a find condensed version. I, I grew up in Miami Beach. I went to, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, uh, I went to Miami Beach Senior High, which sounds like a, <laughs> like, 90210. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a real school, is it? Um, so every every day, and this is before you know. Now we're so hyper aware of things, and this was before I understood that comics came out on Wednesdays, or they might not have even come out on Wednesdays back then. But yeah. I would always go by this little um, this, this uh, drugstore back in the days when they used to have drugstores, and <laughs> they had a spinning comic rack in the back, and they sold comics, and of course, the guy who owned the place didn't really care about comics, so there were maybe three or four months of comics just sitting in the rack, and um, as an avid reader, I was, I was really into stuff, and I was just a huge Fantastic Four fan, and by extension, a Thing fan, so <laughs> all of those titles, that was it, and I, I was just very snobby about going anywhere else and at that point you know daredevil was this character but he was still such a second or third stringer and you're like yeah eh, i don't know about daredevil you know i maybe want to get into this x-men thing you know i hear that wolfman and burn are kind of good at it yeah but i don't know if i want to really get into that out of sheer boredom one time i keep going to that damn drugstore and there's nothing there <laughs> so i'm like oh, all right now actually f- f- along that line i found the teen titans as well when perez mm. and wolfman were doing it um, I picked up a Daredevil issue and, um, yeah, 183. I can't remember what, what the cover was. I think it's Daredevil being shot by the Punisher. And I thought, well, okay, that's weird. Marvel wouldn't do that. They shouldn't do that. You have your two characters fighting like that. And I bought it and thought, all right, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll go. And, I mean, it opened my world. Frank Miller opened my world to what storytelling in comics were. I was still in high school and I, I thought I might want to do this, but... I mean, not artistically, everyone says, oh, well, he's not as good. And I grant you that. But storytelling, the guy just blew me away. I was so immersed in that book. I quickly went to the same drugstore. And because he was just, he didn't care about his stuff, he had three or four back issues. (laughs) So I was catching up on Miller's Daredevil and just... Again, I thought, uh, you know, it's almost like you find religion. Like, oh, my God, <laughs> there is something bigger than me here. Yeah. And I can actually get it every month. Or at that time, it was coming out um, bi-monthly, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So I caught up quick and had to wait, oh, anxiously <laughs> for, for the next issue. And that just blew me away in terms of storytelling. I realized comics aren't just that cool, hey, maybe the Hulk and Thing will fight each other. Now it's like this is this is socially relevant. You know, this yeah. this can actually move me. And I, it's funny. I, I later when I started doing comics with another friend, um, 
we, we found out we had the same interest in that. You know how you quote movies. You know, you're like, oh, oh we're yeah. going to need a bigger boat. Or, you know, <laughs> that's no moon. That's a space station. Whatever. We found we were doing that with comic books. And we found we were doing that with Miller's Daredevil. You know, because he, I, I think I met him once. And he came up to me and he said, well, 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 can I go to help you out do this? He's like, you are an idiot and I do not employ idiots. And I was like, oh, my God, Wilson Fisk said that to uh, um, uh, this other character in Daredevil. And he was like, how do you know that? And we just bonded from there. So awesome. that is too cool. Know, a totally irrelevant story. But that's, that's yeah. why 183 is so important. <laughs> well, now I know more. I can go and... Uh, uh, add to your Wikipedia page. Which is what, you guys do that? You, you sort of quote movies and oh, yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a podcast where we do that. Like, I that's have, what we do. I have the best story for that. Because, yeah, I'm like that. And then as I uh, elevated in the business, I, I became part of Gaijin Studios, which is was at the time Adam Hughes, Brian Stelfreeze, oh, Cully wow. Hamner, uh, Tony Harris, Jason Pearson, you know, just oh, wow. the cornucopia of amazing artists. Yeah. And you know, yeah, as, as geeks, you sort of, you, you quote movies, whatever, and, and you sort of try to outdo one another. You oh, know, absolutely. one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we're doing that. Um, and, well, sort of digressing a little bit, that same friend that we used to do that, he prided himself on this sort of thing. Oh, my God. Ad nauseum, he prided himself. <laughs> so one day he comes up to me and he says, hi. And he's like, where's that from? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Where's that from? Hi. That's from every movie that ever came out. What are you talking about? Where that's from? And I would just, he was just that obscure. And of course, he has this smug ass look on his face that, oh, no, I thought you were one of yeah, us. Like, I got you. I yeah, got you. I got you. Hi. And I'm like, no, that's bullshit. I'm so, oh, I don't know. Oh, no, it works. No, you're good. Yeah, it's the internet. So, flash forward years, I'm. I'm sitting with Cully Hamner, and we're having very much the same conversation because Gaijin love to do that as well. And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, yeah. But I had a friend who came up to me one day and said, hi. And he said, where's that from? And Cully, straight face, looked at me and go, oh, yeah, that's Superman, Lex Luthor. I'm like, how the hell do you know that? <laughs> wow. And he's like, well, it was the inflection, the way you said it. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? All right. There are geeks, and then there's just another level that I obviously will never be a part of. Because my friend had said that to me, too, after, after I said I didn't know where that was. And he's like, well, if you, you know, if you were in the know, you would have known. <laughs> and I just wasn't. So. Well, it's a group you will always be welcome in, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny. Years later, I, not to digress anymore, but yeah, I, I started going out with a girl named Lois. Mm. For six months, I was in Superman heaven because I was I was looking for ways to quote things from the movie, and my biggest get was like I like Pink very much, Lois. And there was at one point in those six months that I oh I nailed it. I actually got to say I like Pink very much, Lois. That's too good. That That's awesome. too good. And then eventually she saw the movie and was like, everything he's been saying to me <laughs> for six months. There's no. <laughs> This is the most uninteresting. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I should have just been stating Superman this whole time. <laughs> um, you've got a book you're doing with Jane Espenson that's online only for Spike, correct? Uh, that we did. Yeah, I did that a year ago. Hasn't that come out yet? No, I, I think it comes out in August, right? Because it's, so, yeah. it's on Marvel Previews right now. Yeah. Or not Marvel uh, Previews, but... Previews, yeah. Previews, yeah. And um, I'm trying to remember the book. Uh, no, that was... Yeah. Jane Espenson online only book. That's what I know. Uh, and wow. it's Spike. And it's yeah. not out yet. 
Um, um, is Buffy involved? or I don't know. I haven't read it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I only say that because Jane and I did work on quite a few things. Oh, okay. So I'm assuming that was the case, and Dark Horse loves to do that stuff way in advance. I did that oh, free okay. comic book day, God, last year. Maybe yeah. they're finally just publishing it. Probably. Yeah. It's online, now they're publishing it. Did you... It. Do you remember one that was online? Because my question was going to be whether or not that was a deliberate decision on your part. They never tell uh, me no. To talk about doing it online course. only. Yeah, because they, um, obviously, as the world of comic books progresses, yeah. we are going in the digital age. Yeah. And Dark Horse more and more is trying to yeah. attract people, which I think is a good idea. It's sort oh, of yeah. attract people to the digital age and saying, here, these are things you can only get online. Just like mm-hmm. um, Joss's, uh, what was that? He was the band uh, he did the story with. Oh, uh, Dr. Horrible. No, not Dr. Horrible, but the other one. um, About a a band of uh, characters who played in a band. Um, and that was only available. I have online. no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I have to. Eventually, came in Dark Horse Presents. But yeah, it's uh, Joss Wheaton and uh, somebody Bell, uh, a European artist, and it's pretty good. Oh wow! Um, but it was a Euro, it was a uh, online wow. only. Yeah, shoot, I'll have to find that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting. You know, especially now when uh, an Avengers movie can makes can make one hundred and fifty or uh, you know over a billion dollars, yeah. and then comics is is still kind of trying to find its footing, even though that's where. All of these characters grow from like it's it's hard like it's got to find some way to bring more people in and if digital is that yeah um, totally. but if that wasn't your choice then that question was just stupid. <laughs> no, I I mean I'm work for hire. I, I like to yeah. I would love to say oh yes they don't make a move without me and Joss. <laughs> they have to approve it between the two of us. Yeah. Well, no, I, they, the they might have approached you and said like hey, this is what we want to do and but they'll do they say hey, we're still trying to figure out where to put this but mm-hmm. we do know we want to do this and right. especially with. People like Espenson and, and Andrew uh, Chambliss, who's, who's doing Buffy now, those guys only have certain windows because, you know, their real job is writing Once Upon a Time or, yeah. you know, other yeah. films and things like that. Yeah. So we really need to get them when we can because we know we're the low man on the totem pole <laughs> in that priority level. Yeah. I mean, and, and I say that, but, you know, you talk to Jane and Jane's everybody who's come back who wrote for the show didn't come back for the money. They came back for the love of the characters. Right. And that, I think, speaks volumes as to what Buffy and, does. You, know, you can tell, too, when you read the stories in season eight. Like, they have such a... The, the voices, mm-hmm. and it's people who love the characters. Oh, yeah, it resonates. It resonates, because even in the tells of the vampires and tells of the slayers, when they first got into it, it yeah. just... It feels like home when you're a fan of the show, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's just it's really cool. And it, it, it and it hurts when people will come up to me and I'll ask them, "Have you read the book?" No, I, I really don't know. I don't read comics, or even worse, somebody said, "I somebody told me I don't know how to read a comic book." Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, this is this is what they give kids. How can you not know how yeah. to read a comic book?" Yeah. And I it just it. I wish that comics were of a more legitimate stature so that I agree. when something like this is done, it could be maximized more than I personally think it is being right now because yeah. people still look at comics as being the redheaded stepchild, agree, you know, yeah. just a step above the romance novels or, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Which is crazy because especially like, you know, you hear about how short people's attention span is now and all of that. And I think, well, then you should be reading comics. You should be reading comics every day. I I don't have time to read. I was an English major and I don't read books anymore. Like, that's how crazy it is. Um, Well, that's great. Uh, Do you have, obviously, you, you know, you do Buffy every single month. And that, I'm sure, takes a lot. (laughs) Yeah, that takes a lot of your time. But is there anything else that you're working on that you've got in the pipeline? I wish. I mean, I wish I were a faster artist that I could do two, maybe two books a month or something like that. Um, I am friends with, uh, I I will say that doing this Buffy thing, I've become friends with a lot of the uh, actors and writers. Oh, yeah. 
of the show. And I was doing a show at one point, um, and that's how I actually became friendly with Felicia Day and did some work with her Guild book. Yeah. Um, and in the same token, I met uh, Claire Kramer, who was Glory on yeah, Buffy. Wow. And oh. she and her husband were starting up a, a website for a geek culture. Um, and they just sort of asked me, hey, would you like to be a part of it? We want sort of a really cool art uh, element. And she... Uh, Claire is very business savvy, and she's like, well, obviously there's me that I'm associated with Buffy, and you're the Buffy artist, so it was a no-brainer that I called you and, and said, would you like to be a part of it? And these guys, I think they just recently went live last month, and it's called geeknation.com. Oh, cool. So I'm, I'm very cool. casually affiliated with that right now. Very cool. Awesome. But that's it. I, I hate to tell you, I'm on Buffy for another year, so that's... Any... I live, eat, breathe Buffy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and there's certainly a lot of it left. So I shouldn't ask you whether there will be I, eleven, I pictures, but yeah, I'm of, pretty sure of Xander and Spike and Angel on my wall. And some people will come in my room going, <laughs> "Do you like these men? <laughs> Do you really like these men? Well, they are very attractive." <laughs> oh. I will say I've I've got posted on my wall uh, Illyria right now. Oh yeah, but I won't go any further than that. Oh man, <laughs> snap! <laughs> hey. Uh, unless you've got anything else, Ryan? Oh, that was an amazing ending and teaser. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. I don't much, know where George. she's going to come in, but who knows? It'll be a flashback or something cheesy. Uh, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Don't look for that in the main storyline at all. No. 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 Uh, well, thank you so much, George. Yeah, that was amazing. It because Not at all. Uh, again, yeah. thank you for coming to Denver. Um, you know, this was great. Yeah, I'd definitely come back. It's good, a good, mm-hmm. good. Because next year it will be bigger for sure. <laughs> we were not good. going to let this die. I mean, you've seen the lines outside. People yeah. were hungry oh, for yeah. a con like this. Very cool. We're in the desert. We can't even drive. To I a noticed con. coming from the airport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, wait a second. Did I land in Denver? Where is everything? <laughs> did a bomb go off recently? <laughs> no. All right. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you so George. much. My we pleasure, really appreciate gentlemen. it. Thank yeah. you so much. Mm-hmm. He was cool, man. Man. I it's just one of those guys you just meet and you're just, this guy is a cool guy. And it was one of those things where I thought, like going to bed Friday night knowing, like, oh, man, I lined up these interviews on Saturday and I was going to talk to these people. And you sit down and you talk to them and it takes two seconds before you go, these people are so comfortable yep. and real. Um, and George's was the, the same way. It was like, oh, this is, I, I don't have to be afraid at all. Like, there's exactly. nothing to be afraid of. You know, of. like I said earlier, you know, he just sat down and started talking to us. Yeah. It wasn't all that, uh, you know, that awkwardness. Yeah. And I, I mean, not to toot our own horn, but, you know, we knew a lot about him before he even sat down. So it was yeah. really comfortable. It was easy to talk to him, um, both of them. And even, uh, our next interview is with Zach Howard, and he is super talented too. He was um, uh, he was two tables to the left of George's jaunty, and of course, I talked to him like right yeah, but, after but, that. But you should we should also mention that you met Zach Howard at Starfest, their yeah. little comic con they had there, and you <laughs> and you just started talking to him about how great his uh, World of Warcraft art. No, was Starcraft, Starcraft, Starcraft art was, and. From there, you actually got his email, and you emailed him, and he said he'd sit down with us. So he was really yeah. the first one who agreed to talk to us. This is true, yeah. And uh, again, he sat down, and he was so cool too. He just, yeah. just the and nicest even, guy. Even as tired as we all were, because it was the end of like literally the con was over, and we were doing this. I think you can even uh, hear some of that in the podcast. Um, actually, you know, I think though that we we got really excited talking to him because. Um, it, it is hard, and I I appreciate everybody who sat down, and it, it's it's hard to constantly do interviews, and I feel bad for those guys because I mean for him, I mean he's drawing sketchbooks, yeah. he's doing um you know, uh, commissioned work, yeah, 
so for him to sit down at the end and say, you know, what, I'll make time for you guys and I'll be on your little podcast that could was great. Yeah. And so, so cool. Zach Howard, you know, he, he does a lot <laughs> of uh, covers for IDW. Um, the Turtles one, just I mentioned earlier. And, and when I met him at uh, at Starfest, like it was that first moment because Starfest was the first con I'd ever been to. And I uh, I walked out of this room and there he was. And it was like this moment of like it was like a starstruck kind yeah, of it moment. Was. And I ended up having Ra- Brad take my picture with him. And I afterwards I thought that was weird. Like the fact that I asked to have my picture taken with this dude who doesn't know who the heck I am. But he was so nice about it. And, you know, well, too, I was you, afraid you, he was you left like, out no, the middle part of that story where you walked by him and you said, oh, my gosh, that's Zach Howard. Yeah. I should go say something to him. Yeah. I said, do say it. He's just hanging out. He seems like a cool. And we found out he lives in Colorado. Yeah, and he's, he's a local. He's dude. a local artist, so, cool. so even better. So a local, well-known, established artist. So if you're somebody in Denver who's listening to this, you definitely should be picking up the case and reading the stuff that Zach Howard does because because it's awesome. Yeah, here's his cool. interview. Awesome. Welcome to Real Nerds. The final interview of Denver Comic Con 2012 is with the incredibly talented Zach Howard. Hello. Zach, we can we can call you Eisner nominated Zach Howard, can't yes, we? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. What uh, book for, of yours was Eisner nominated? Uh, the Cape the Cape One Shot was nominated. Yeah. First for, issue. For, oh wow. Best single first issue of 2010. Issue, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Now when um, the Cape is written by or the story is by Joe Hill. Yes. Um. And the script is by Jason C. Morella. Okay, I didn't want to. They, they work close together too. So, oh it's, really? It's not like they're mile. I mean, forever apart and don't right. talk. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I wanted to make you say it because I didn't want to look like a fool trying to pronounce his name. Yeah, C. Um, Morella. Yeah. When you got signed onto that book, was the one shot the only thing they had scripted out, or was yes. the whole run already sort of planned? No, no. Uh, uh, Chris Riles, good friend of mine, and uh, I don't know what his title is at IDW right now. Uh, CEO, I don't know. Publisher, <laughs> uh, uh, he he jumps around. He, he's yeah. the big fish there. Uh, we did Shaun of the Dead together, and we've always been looking for another book to do, but I'm always busy, he's busy, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to work with Joe Hill, and I was like, yeah, I'll do a book. <laughs> um, and I had no clue what it was. They sent me the script, and I was like, yeah, I'm on board. I uh, had to take a pay cut, but good friends and i wanted to work with joe hill but uh yeah. about three quarters through everybody knew something special was happening so uh uh they basically decided you know let's let's finish the story let's see what yeah. happens to this character and uh they had ideas and uh they worked it out we negotiated uh, a miniseries uh contract and uh there you go cool uh, I know that they're making a, a 1969 sort of yep, spinoff yep, after yep. this, but you're not doing the art. No, uh, I'd already sold my other series that I'm done, my creator own series. Right. Uh, so I'm doing covers for it. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, uh, Nelson Daniel, the, the colorist I work with, uh, he's drawing it. He already has two issues done. They're gorgeous. Uh, the story is the origin uh, of the cape. Well, uh, uh, it's his father, and you find oh. out how the cape became... Got to him. You know, got this power. Oh, cool. Oh, very cool. So, um, so we'll get to Wild Beyond here in a second, but uh, is there any, like, anything in the pipes that is as far as, like, a sequel book, anything to follow it up? Because one of the things that I, I think is really interesting about where we leave, I don't want to spoil it because it's amazing, but um, we get left with the... Sort of the cre- a very interesting creation of a superhero that I don't think I've seen before. Where it, did you see the movie Chronicle? Oh yeah, yeah, it has a kind of a similar that feel. Si- that similar ending where I feel like this guy who 
didn't really want to be a superhero is left with some powers that he could do something interesting and he has a backstory that like is totally different than anybody like his motivation would be different than any yeah, other yeah. superhero is there any work to Honestly, go anywhere no. with he that burned, character he burned the the cape it's it's gone oh that's right he did <laughs> shoot crap well we'll cut that question maybe out. i don't know maybe, maybe we'll uh, stitch it together from the ashes i don't know <laughs> dang it superhero well maybe he'll spirit, have to find another but, one uh, it's still. I was so excited by the end that yeah. It, it's pretty uh, final the ending. So it is. Uh, uh, not that I'm aware of. That's why we did the prequel because that story still needed to be told. Why yeah. is the cape? Why does it have powers? That's right. That's so, right. Uh, so the the cover arts for uh, Wild Beyond is coming out, and that's what for the next year you're just going to do cover art pretty much, and yeah, then it, Wild Beyond comes out just to stay relevant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll jump around, do different covers, uh, wrap it up, Godzilla. Right now, I will be doing uh, a run on the uh, Judge Dread covers uh, up until Wild Blue comes out uh, in May next year, and that'll be monthly. And then I'll just be promoting that. And so, tell me about what is Wild Blue Yonder about? It looked, I mean, it looks like the coolest sort of pulp kind <laughs> of cover I've ever seen. Well, thank so, you. I appreciate uh, it. What's uh, it about, and who's writing it? It's uh, uh, like. Uh, uh, Mike Rach is writing it. He is uh, the writer of the Stuff Legend. Uh, he's New York Times bestseller, ex Marvel editor. Uh, we did a Marvel book together, and that's how we met years ago. And uh, uh, he pitched me this idea, and we've been developing it. Um, it's basically uh, best way to describe it is uh, if uh, 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 Mad Max was uh, made by uh, Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the best way to describe it, and that's what I was drawn to it. It's the post-apocalyptic. It's in the sky with planes and stuff like that. Um, I made them retrofitted World War II planes because I just wanted to draw World War II planes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're futuristic World War II planes. And, uh, but it has a strong young female lead, which I think is missing in most comics. Uh, they're usually sluts and punching people. Uh, this is actually a real tangible girl, like a Miyazaki awesome. story, where he always has young female heroines uh, you know, in yeah. in life struggles, and uh, uh, I really wanted to do that. And that's you know, when Mike pitched it to me, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that sounds amazing. right up my alley." Really cool. Considering so, uh, that we we spent the last two days talking to all the people who who draw for Buffy, that's exactly yeah. where I, where I would want to to, to be. Um, <laughs> that's so cool. That yeah. drawing the art for a book like that must just be amazingly fun yes you know yeah. i just get the to be that creative get to draw dog fights and yeah. you know like a, a dog with goggles i so it has everything <laughs> the two things with dogs that i love yeah <laughs> following up on a book where spoilers for the cape you got to drop bears on people yeah i mean yeah you, a grizzly bear That's you have a, some of the most fun drawings that was a the most interesting scene I've ever drawn in comics. Uh, it's one of the most interesting scenes. <laughs> I will challenge anybody to, to come up with a better death scene than that. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable! You know, um, you uh, you were signed on at some point to do some work for StarCraft on a StarCraft yes. book. Yes, I would like to just know, like, you know, what was the story on that? What was it going to be? And where did it? What did it turn into? Well, um, uh, just because I'm a huge Star- StarCraft fan. So. Yeah. Uh, StarCraft II, the video game, was close to release, mm-hmm. and uh, Wildstorm contacted me about doing a uh, 100-page hardback, just graphic novel of StarCraft. Oh. Uh, original story, everything, uh, with some female ghost or something, a new ghost or something, I, I yeah. guess. You might know. I don't yeah. know it very well. Um, uh, correct me if I, I embarrass no, myself. You're, no, you're right. But, uh, anyways, uh, 
so I signed on. I'm like, sure, that's perfect. I'd li- I want to do a beginning, middle, end stories. I don't like monthlies, and right. I, I just can't get into it. Uh, uh, so anyways, uh, said yes. I uh, did that pinup just kind of for promo art for uh, Blizzard or whatever and Wildstorm. And uh, it, like three months later, they still had no contract for me. And at the time, uh, uh, I think uh, DC was deciding what to do with Wildstorm. Like, are they absorbing it? Is it going to be a separate company? And that's why the contract took a while. They're good people. It's just I had to move on. I got bills to yeah. pay. Um and eventually, I think it, it happened because... It did. Uh, okay. I have the issues, yeah. Oh, okay. Because okay. as soon as you started describing it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, I had to sign on to something else. Yeah. And I, I don't know what I did. Probably something for Marvel. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's what happened. No bad blood or anything or oh, no, no drama. It just, uh, I think Wildstorm was in a upheaval at the time, and uh, they couldn't get the contract to me fast enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and it's uh, a shame because the art that, that you have put out for that... The little bits that I've seen, it was amazing. Like, well, thank you. Just y- even to compare it to like the concept art that they do for the game, it was it, like you, what I what I dream that a movie would look like. It was <laughs> well, beautiful. I apologize. No, it's okay. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, thanks for crushing my dreams. Yeah. Zach. It was so good. It, uh, uh, comic books are really fluid. Yeah, and I'm a freelance guy, so you got it, if you don't get me a contract, I got to move on. Yeah, you know, and yeah. It, it, no bad blood. You know, it's it's business. Oh, absolutely. So. I apologize. How uh, how long were have you been into comics? Was it since you were a kid? Oh, of course. I my my dad as military brat grew up all around the world, so I just had like D and D books and and comic <laughs> books, and uh, I used to buy those little grab bag comic books where you didn't know what was in it from yeah. like Marvels, like three <laughs> comics, and it'd be like X Men, Spider Man, and like. Captain, you know, Fartman or Turdface <laughs> yeah. or something like that. It'd always be some random one. Yeah, they some didn't super care about. crap they're trying to promote, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, 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 like Dazzler's Friend or something like that. You know, <laughs> sparkles. The, yeah, so sparkles. There we <laughs> yeah. go. Glitter. Um, uh, anyways, uh, so I'd buy those and, uh, you know, fool around. So, yeah, since I was a kid, I didn't get serious about it till I was 25, though, or about 24. And that's so. you mean as far as reading it or until or starting Trying to do to the art? get in the industry? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. But you were so. drawn before that. Yeah, yeah, I of course. Well, like any kid does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't just jump in and be amazing from the beginning. Um, <laughs> I was like, wow, you just started trying when you were twenty-five. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Well, that's when I started trying. Like, <laughs> I was a potter at the time, and yeah, I I, I made a decision. I was going to wow. try and get into comics, so I picked up the pencil again, and. Uh, Two years later, two and a half years later, I was drawn Hellboy. So, uh, oh wow! So we're really jealous of I, you because you're incredibly talented artistically, is what you're saying to us. I was it's not, <laughs> no, it's not magic, man. It's just determination. Yeah, yeah. that's all it is. You got to put the calories in. You got to be focused. Yeah, you know, set your ego aside. Know what you got to do. What you suck at, and, and make your weaknesses your strength. Absolutely. Sounds like hyperbole, but anyone can do it. I promise you. I promise you. You know. I was going to ask you about D and D, but now I have to ask you. You were a potter. Yeah, for How'd five years. How'd you get years. into putting? Uh, when I got out of the Marines, I was going to college, uh, and uh, I wanted to take art and drawing and painting, and I signed up late, uh, so all that was left in art was ceramics. So I'm like, eh, whatever, I'll take ceramics, and I'll make some pinch pots or some crap. And, uh, <laughs> I don't even smoke. I'll just make ashtrays for other people or something. But uh, um, So I did it and ended up falling in love with it, and became very successful at it and made a lot of money in college at it paid for a car paid my, for my future wife's apartment everything like that wow. uh, but during my thesis year uh i had to take either watercolor or illustration uh 
you know, my final, you know, semester to get uh, my degree. Uh, and I was like, uh, eh, I've done watercolor before. I'll take illustration. And, uh, you know, I always loved comic books and uh, always yeah. fooled around. You know, I had fantasies uh, when I was a teenager, be a comic book artist. And uh, my professor had drawn a couple issues or an issue or something of, like, Aliens or Aliens vs. Predator. And he saw all the stuff I was doing in class and uh, asked if I'd come to a con with him. And uh, he, I could sit at his table or whatever and show my stuff. And I got a, just the little crap I'd done for the class. I got a good response. So uh, I asked at the time as my girlfriend, uh, but we're moving in together, going to get married. Uh, it's like, you know, is it cool if I try this, you know, try to do this? Yeah. And uh, I, I have a very good wife. And uh, 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 for two and a half years, I made like nothing, you know, but then boom, suddenly it happened. Is he so, how you got into Aliens? Into, into no, 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 had nothing to do with oh, okay. it. Nothing to do with Just it. Just a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. You know. Oh, what kind of D and D were you playing? Were you playing Thwacko? Uh, I have no advanced, clue. Advanced Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> Probably not. I oh, was pretty okay. young. I'm, oh, okay. I'm very, very uh, subpar intelligence. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't trust that. For I don't a even minute. know if we're playing it right. I, I don't even remember. <laughs> but we had but, a lot of fun. <laughs> good, good. That's what it's all about. Um, what's the stuff you're What's the stuff you're reading right now? What top of your stack? Uh, when you can, it, it, honestly, I usually just get comps now. So I read whatever's given to me and every once in a while at a con, if I hear about something or buddies doing a kick-ass book, I'll, uh, I'll pick it up. But, uh, I'd say, uh, American Vampires, best book out right now, Schneider and, uh, Albuquerque's good. And, uh, Sean's run was wonderful on it. So yeah, I got I to see say, him yeah. while he was doing it and everything like that. Uh, so that was cool. Um, I just reread Preacher. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm right on the edge of doing that myself. Oh, you have to. Uh, wow. It's been since it finished. I haven't read it again. Oh, really? And uh, it was always my favorite series. And now that I'm a professional, like a veteran storyteller, <laughs> I get to really see the nuts and bolts of it. It's been really fun. Uh, uh, I, I respect it in a whole new way. And uh, I'm rereading Gru, all the Gru from the beginning <laughs> on. Wow. Uh, it's one of my all-time favorite series. Uh, basically, Gru and Preacher. It's pretty pathetic. <laughs> I have no clue what's going on. I'm sure half the characters are gay now. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't... It, yeah. It's... Uh, I never read... I seldom read uh, superhero stuff. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously, I, 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 I quit drawing superhero stuff for a reason, you know. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, any indie crap uh, that my wife picks up or uh, whatever. But for new stuff, I'd say American Vampire. Uh, anything Sean's doing, Sean Murphy, you should yeah, probably say. People don't know. <laughs> People don't know you're at the booth right next to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we've yeah. been buddies. We're, we were good friends before we were both even pros. Oh, wow. He came to me for a portfolio review, and I wasn't even a pro, you know. I was like, uh, and we just would see each other at every con, and we'd start going to the parties and going to cons together, and we just became friends. Next thing you know, we're working at Vertigo together, doing the same book, and and uh, all that stuff. So, and then we did a series together, and you know, so it's That's, been fun. Wild ride. He stayed with DC, and I left DC and did the indie thing. Yeah. So, and his art is is just as amazing as it can be. It's man. The best there is. Um, well, before we let you go, you're a local guy. Yes. So I have to ask you, how has this con been, and how excited are you to, for us to have something like this? I, I was worried. Uh, couldn't have been better. Uh, yeah. Best first con I've ever been to in any city, much less Denver. Um, couldn't be happier. Yeah. I uh, 
15, 20-minute drive, and I'm at a, a decent mid-level, very decent, a good con, and uh, people are eager, excited. Everybody's in a good mood. Pretty good organized already, and it's the first year. Yeah. Hasn't been a cluster F, and, no. <laughs> uh, uh, which I was expecting. Yeah. Um, it, it, just a good vibe. I loved it. Uh, cool. Couldn't have been better. Could not awesome. have been better. All right. Well, thank you so much yeah. for your yes. advice. Yes, sorry. I am sure we will see you next. Normally, year. I have a lot of dick jokes, but it's the end of the day. <laughs> I'm a little tired. I sound like a rock star now. Uh, it's okay. It'll just but, make uh, you sound so really dick impressive. joke. <laughs> <laughs> Insert a dick joke. Just pretend I said some. Uh, it's too hard for him to think of a dick joke right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's too hard. There we go. There <laughs> thank you, Zach. Zing. Thanks, Zach. I appreciate it. Take awesome. care, guys. Thank you. Boy, I hope you guys had as much fun listening to him as we did conducting him. Oh man, they because were it was unbelievable. Those are highlights for me of the con. Besides doing the James Marsters panel, um, I mean that was a little more impersonal because you know he was the one running the panel. I really didn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, but to sit down and actually ask him questions and for them to be engaged, and again they didn't have to be. Yeah. You know they didn't have to take time, and it's not short interviews. I mean. They no. sit down and they talk to us for an extended period of time. Yeah. Um, the only one that's short is our one we did next week with Michael Yusel, and that's because he was so popular he had to do like two more panels. Yeah. And uh, so, again, I can't thank these people enough. I can't thank Denver Comic Con enough for giving us the opportunity and for them naming us the official podcast of Denver Comic Con. <laughs> was I mean, that's awesome. And yeah. to, for people to sit down with us, professionals and so we can gush with them and not to treat us like we're fanboys, which we are. Don't get me wrong. Totally. But, you know, even Rebecca was saying she was nervous coming over because she didn't know what she was getting into with us. <laughs> and that yeah. she sat down and she says, you guys were prepared. You guys were so nice. It was just cool to hear her say that. And we really appreciate it. And um, that they came over to our booth was just really cool. Yeah. And I think it helped that we designed a really cool booth. Brad with the uh, awesome banner and stuff. Thank you. Yeah. And a whole lot of good work. And, and of course, he's not in any of the interviews, but he is the 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 interviews only work because he was yeah. There just because just because you don't hear sure Brad, it doesn't mean he's not doing something. Yeah, the fact <laughs> that you hear us in the midst of all of that I, I, noise, I, I a few is questions. because of Brad. You can't see the hands. Yeah, goes, that's true. There were a few <laughs> questions that came directly like, hey, from hey, Brad. Hey, ask him this. Ask him this. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, Brad. Yeah, exactly. You didn't hear him, but he uh, did a good job when we were sitting down to help with questions that we might have skipped over. And um, like I said, you wouldn't hear any of this. It won't be posted. Anywhere, if it wasn't for Brad. So just because you don't hear Brad doesn't mean he's not working. Absolutely. Even when he's really quiet, like right now, he's still doing something. He's listening to us babble. I think he's just making a popping noise with his mouth. That's all it is. Yep. Yeah, I play with my tooth. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. We'll talk about this after we're done. I have to know what the fuck that's about. So anyways, thank you, Rebecca, Georges, and Zach. I really appreciate it. And and make sure to tune in next week for Michael Uselin as well. Yeah, the, the Michael Uselin one. You know... I was going to tease it. I told Brad we should put a little tease for it, but um, the interview is, what, 12 minutes? Something like that? 15, somewhere around. So we didn't want to just tease it because it's – it's. I'm not too many horn, but it's a good interview. Um, <laughs> because good it, and, and, and it's not because of me. I seriously just ask him a question, and Michael's so good at telling stories that I wish I could have him on for hours. Yeah. Um, well, next year we'll have to make that happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can set aside time for him next year. We heard him at the – Mile High Comics auction, and then two days later at the panel, and even though he kind of went over the same stories again, it was still fascinating to hear him tell them. Yeah, wow. because he still had the enthusiasm, and that's why his book, The Boy Who Loved Batman, is so good, because his passion for it comes through. For someone who's had the license for 30 
three years now to treat it as well as he did um, was great. You know, it's it's a tribute to him, and it's so cool that he invited. I I can't get over how nice celebrities were there. I really can't. Even James Marsters, who I met before the panel, was the nicest guy. He was funny. And he, he told me I could do whatever I want up there. And I told him, I said, no, it's your panel. It's for you. And he said, actually, it's for the fans. So things like that is really awesome. So thank you, everybody, who sat down with us. Um, next week, we are seeing The Dark Knight Rises. It'll probably suck. Brad's really not looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks terrible. It looks terrible. I um, wouldn't even know because every time a trailer comes on, I stick my fingers in my ears and close my eyes and shake my head and say, banana, 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 <laughs> like a poor, sad, special kid. So stay tuned for our review for that. None of that's true. I I, uh, I wasn't yeah. excited, maybe. <laughs> the, He's closer, gonna... the closer we've gotten, I'm just like, it's it's getting there. It's like the the nerd... The nerdiness is taking oh, over. Like, the anticipation you, is just yeah. like, it's when, finally during, getting there. During Spider-Man, before it started, I'm like, how long are these fucking previews? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God damn it. We have to watch a Twilight preview? Are yeah, exactly. Serious? So I started getting, I get really antsy because I want to see the movie so bad. And yeah. uh, The Dark Knight, quite not as much for me because I'm not as big a Batman fan. But I loved, I loved the Christopher Nolan Batmans. So to me, it's starting, it's starting to get that way. You start feeling it. You start. Feel it. Feel you it. Can taste it. Um, and like I'm trying to avoid trailers and TV spots, but I, yeah. you know, they come up and I just you have to all the things I think that I thought were going to be in the movie keep getting confirmed. Like, <laughs> you know, the fact that I think it's a a Nightfall No Man's Land crossover, and then re- recently I'm starting to think it's part Dark Knight Returns too. So, Ooh. so it's really cool. And what makes it even cooler is we talked to the executive producer, Michael Uslin, was on Real Nerds podcast. He will be on here next week. So please stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for our review of The Dark Knight Rises, which will probably be a damning review. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I, you know, it's one of those movies you know is going to be good. Yeah. How can you it just see be? it and you know. So remember, you can follow us on Twitter, Real underscore Nerds. You can also like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can email us directly, realnerds at gmail.com. We have a website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can also call and leave us messages, 720-6-NERDS-5, and we will play you on our show, like we did Mark Wahlberg last week. (laughs) Just stay tuned for that. Also, we will most likely be at the Denver County Fair, August 10th through the 12th. You can also look forward to seeing us at Mile High Con sometime in October. We're going to do something with it, that's for sure. Yeah, if we can't get a table, um, we will be represented there somehow. Yeah, it'll at least be like uh, like we were at Starfest, where we'll go Absolutely. And talk about it later. We want to be the official podcast of Denver County Fair, and we also want to <laughs> become the official podcast of Mile High Con. So. And remember, too, if you like these interviews, we do have a bunch of interviews with fans from the Denver Comic Con. So go back and look at the last uh, four or five episodes, and each one has an interview with fans. Michael, Michael is actually to be the official podcast of Wahoo's Fish Taco. Uh, so Michael, uh, owner of Denver Wahoo's Fish Taco franchises, uh, give me a call. Awesome. Also, um, we did a contest during Comic-Con where if you put your name in a hat, we pulled your name out, you won a prize. Um, the Blu-rays that we had set aside, we emailed, and those emails came back as not real emails. They've gone unclaimed. They've gone unclaimed. So I'm going to dig in the hat right now and pick out... Oh, my gosh! It's Reggie! from uh reggie rex on twitter that had the comic-con showing you won a blu-ray he was so awesome he was cool so reggie please 
email us your address. I'll also tweet it out, Reggie, so you can email us. And uh, for let me pull one out for the other Blu-ray. It's Alex Sullivan. Sully, wow, I met you at Mile High Comics. You won the other one. So please, Alex, email us. Email us which one you want, Dark Knight or Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, whoever, whoever emails gets us back first, first gets, the Dark gets, gets the Dark Knight or Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> they're both really cool, though. Yeah, really no, cool they are. Uh, Blu-rays. They're, they're the collector's edition. So Sully and Red, she, thank you so much for stopping by and meeting us. You guys won the Blu-rays. And, and this was awesome. not rigged at all. <laughs> I pulled these names out of the hat. All our credibility is out the window. Hey, I gave them opportunity. This is true. Yeah. Two other people had a chance to get those Blu-rays. Yeah. Yep. Square, and they ignored us. So we'll give I don't like else. being ignored. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Batman.